It's the Sports Bash, live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. This is how bad they needed it. I think they're fourth from the bottom in three-pointers made per game. And so they need somebody who makes high-volume three-pointers, and they got him a good value. Buddy Hield has asked for a trade several different times. <laughs> yeah. They have been offered first-round picks at different times for him. They give him, and ultimately, for three second-rounders. That means the Sixers get a player that they need, and they don't have to give a first-round pick. That was Brian Windhorst moments ago as the Sixers have made a couple of trades at the deadline. Three o'clock today, the Sports Bash is live in Vegas, Radio Row, 97.3 ESPN. Holy moly! What are the Sixers doing? They are making a plethora of moves. Buddy Heald is a Sixer, and it's funny. About two weeks ago, we were at Ocean Casino on Mandalay Bay right now in Vegas. We were at Ocean Casino, and I said, I'm tired of hearing the Buddy Heald thing. I feel like I've been hearing his name connected to the Sixers for like three years now. Like, it's not happening. And they make the trade today to get Buddy Heald uh, amongst others, they've traded to get Buddy Heald. You heard what Windhorse said there. Some pretty good value in the deal. They didn't give up a whole heck of a lot to get Buddy Heald. So they get Buddy Heald. They also have just traded. They've also just traded. Hey, there's Deion Sanders. Prime time. <laughs> um, they've also traded away um, Patrick Beverly. And Pat Bev, the Pat Bev trade is a kind of a head-scratching one. They got Campaign back in return. Campaign is a player who, if you told me you got Campaign a couple of years ago after his run in Phoenix, I would have been, okay, good. Uh, in fact, Campaign had a run where he was really, 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 really good to where I said, this guy's going to make a big when when who was it Josh Chris Paul got hurt right and campaign kind of stepped in yep and Phoenix there. yep right and, and he kind of like took over that job and he played really 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 well when Chris Paul got hurt and and it might have been in the bubble when Phoenix was like making a run weren't they making a run and they were like you know um, no it was the year that they went to the postseason after the bubble year so remember when gotcha. the Suns got to the finals versus the Bucks and then there was that stretch during the season and the postseason when Chris Paul, as we know, continually gets injured, and here comes Campaign with a superhero cape on. He was unbelievable, and I said, this guy is going to, you know, make some money in free agency. Like, someone's going to overpay to go get Chris, uh, Campaign because of, like, hey, we can get, uh, this is going to be our point guard. He just needed some time, and he has really struggled since that point. But you heard what... Windhorse said the Sixers volume three-point shooting is something that they just are not uh, good at. Uh, Pat Bev. See, the Pat Bev thing is interesting. Like, he's not a great scorer. He's not a great three-point shooter. Um, but he seems like he liked it here, and he's that tough guy. And it feels like that's something that the Sixers – is that Warren Sapp, by the way? That is Warren Sapp. So Hall of Famer Warren Sapp? Deion Sanders and – and Warren Sapp. Yep. Uh, the Rock is here right now. Yeah, uh, he saw The Rock earlier there, Josh. Finally, The Rock has come to uh, Las Vegas. To Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I appreciate the effort, Mike. 
we're, we're, we're efforting today. We've got uh, some good things lined up for you. We'll set that all up here uh, in just a bit. But this trade deadline is just kind of coming. You know, last year we were on Radio Row and the trade deadline hit, and the Sixers really did. They got Jaden, Jalen McDaniels or something like that. Right. It's the only yeah. deal they made yesterday, uh, last, last year. year. Yeah, we're always here when the trade deadline hits, always at the Super Bowl. And it was like kind of flat last year. I remember the Lakers made a lot of trades last year. A ton and of trades. Highly in, right. I was highly impressed with the fact that they were really going after it. Um, right now, I am trying to put the pieces together about what the Sixers are doing. Um, are they – it feels to me, okay, this is how it feels to me on the surface. Now, again, I don't know that they're done. They have uh, up till An 3 hour. o'clock today yep. to make to finish this all off. They've traded Daniel House, okay? That's nothing. He's a nothing burger. Obviously, he's not in the rotation. Um, they trade Pat Bev. Okay, Pat Bev. It's not like you're like, what? Uh, in terms of the player, but Pat Bev, you know, he had a role. He liked it here. But it feels that this team in the playoffs has lacked that toughness, that, that, that attitude, that I-know-how-to-win kind of guy. And... Pat Bev felt like he was that kind of guy. Marcus Morris, who they also traded, felt like he's that kind of guy. Like, when times get tough, Pat Bev, Morris, they've had those battles. Now you've traded both of those guys. So, Josh, because we're out here, there's so much going on. Yeah. I Can you kind of put the trades together for me? The Sixers trades or all the trades? Yeah, so there's three different trades. No, yes. the Sixers trade. They have made three separate trades, correct? Correct. So the first one in front of me is the Pat Bev trade because I was looking at it a little bit more. So the deal is they're sending Pat Bev to Milwaukee for campaign and a second-round pick. And the reason why the second-round pick is important is because, remember, they just traded multiple second-round picks in the Buddy Heald deal. Right, so they got... They they re basically got a second round pick back. Right. So they trade. There's Adam Kaplan, by the way. I wonder what he thinks. You know, he's a big Sixers. Oh, he's a big there. Sixers fan. Yeah. So they trade Pat Bev for campaign and a second round pick. I can't say that I understand that one, other than the fact that um, yeah, there's uh, Rob Ryan. Yeah, and Devontae Smith just walked by. Yeah. We should see Billy trailing him at some point. Yeah, Billy's hot on Devontae <laughs> Smith. We, we are efforting getting Devontae on the show. We do have uh, Dahani Jones coming up at uh, 2.30 today, former Eagles linebacker. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to him coming up. Uh, he's always a fun conversation. The best dressed under- former linebacker. Always the best dress. Yeah. I don't understand that trade. Like... So give me the other one. So maybe we can put the three together, and then I right. obviously it sounds like there has to be Another some sort of notable. cap clearing out. Like right. So Daniel uh, House was traded with a second round pick to Detroit. So the idea being that they're unloading House's contract, and then in the Buddy Heald deal, they sent Marcus Morris and Furkan Korkmaz along with three second round picks to Indiana. So Indiana gets three second-round picks, Korkmaz, Morris. Correct. For Buddy Heald. Right. And then Daniel House ends up going to the Pistons. Right. Well, that that trade is is an insignificant one in terms of the player. But if, but if you add them all up, people are suggesting right now that this could mean the Sixers go after Kyle Lowry in the buyout market. Okay, that's what I was getting at. The, 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 the House thing is insignificant for as the player. Right. I'm talking about that has to just be, all right, 
cat maneuvering to set up something in the buyout market, okay? My question is, I'm moving all this stuff, and if I basically flip out Pat Bev for Kyle Lowry, am I all that excited? Eh, not really. I don't know that I'm breaking up the I don't the problem is I can't say that I'm breaking I, we watched the game last night they got ran off the court again. Yes. Right? So it didn't matter last night that Bev was on the court. Well, that's the thing. Is Maury taking a look at this and saying, look, the Pat Bev story's nice, we like him, he's a good vet, but we're simply not good enough. But I also can't tell I don't know. Are they a buyer right now? Are they a seller? Are they setting up for Embiid to return? There's no clues with what's so, going on here. So my, what I see, first of all, is putting putting Buddy Heald with Tyrese Maxey is going to be fun to watch. Sure. Um, and it looks to me like they're trying to build a team that, if Joel can come back, can make a run. Well, here they needed help outside. Yeah, I would say, but, guys, but, here, here's what Windhorse said about the uh, the other side of the heel deal. Because Windhorse says the Sixers actually, this is very shrewd of them in getting healed. Three or four games ago, he got pulled from the starting lineup and put on the bench. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure what went on there, but I think you're going to get a player who's looking to be motivated. highly motivated because mm. he's headed for free agency. And again, smart front offices, they, they walk both paths. The Sixers still have their $55 million in cap space headed for this summer. They still have their three first-round draft picks to trade. All right, so the Buddy Heald is obviously a better player than what they have. Buddy Heald's a player that shoots the three. They needed a high-volume three guy. So now you're going to have a backcourt of Maxi Heald. You would think that that puts DeAnthony Melton to the bench, I would imagine. Or does Heald come off the bench and Melton stays in the starting lineup when he comes back? One or the other, right. I mean, I don't know how they approach that, I would imagine. Um, but... Man, I'm telling you this. Like as this is unfolding, I'm 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 it almost is hard, sitting It is hard here, to tell what the vision is right now. Well, I'm almost sitting here thinking there's got to be something else coming, right? Right. Like, if you just ended and traded Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris, Daniel House, and all that stuff, and in return, this is what you're left with. Are you really any better? And what did you do, pick wise? And what did you do cap wise? That changed the dynamics of why you made this deal. Did you just make a deal to make a deal? I mean, are you better right now because you have Buddy Heald? That's asked that question. I would like say right yes. Now, I think you are. I would think you are because you're more. What he gives you is more of a threat from behind the arc. As right. Well. Obviously, Buddy Heald is the best player of the the lot of guys that we're talking about. Right. Of, of like Marcus Morris, Pat Beverly, all those guys. He's the best player. But my question is, as I'm trying to put this together, is, is he, was the trade for Buddy Heald intended to give Maxie a better partner without Joel? Is it with Joel coming back in mind? Because I think you just said, Josh, Heald's a free agent at the end of the year, right? Right. And they're saying that he will be a motivated player to go out there and perform. That's true. Well, was he not motivated well, as being yeah. a free agent in Indiana? Well, he's he been asking bench? to be traded from Indiana, and then instead of trading him, they benched him for a while. So my question is, why is Indiana benching him? I mean, I get it. I know who Buddy Heald is. I, to me, he's that guy. 
He's the good player on the bad baseball team that you're like, oh, go get the A's best player. He's the A's number three hole hitter. And then he comes to your team and he's batting seventh and ends up not really making much of an impact. But, you know, in Oakland, he was the three hole hitter and, and, and had a good year. Well, he's the only guy they had out there. I feel like Buddy Heald, two things. One, he was a very high profile college player, right? Yep. Made a deep run. Um, Oklahoma. Very good college player and then that has kind of stuck with him that we we remember him from from college he's come to the pros and he's been good but i wouldn't great but because he was a really really high level college player i feel like we feel that he's better than he actually has been and now you're seeing it teams are benching him he's traded his name has come up in trade talks a lot over the years so why would a player who's that good be constantly – like, that's, that's to me. like So I'm trying to put the pieces together and say, does he really make the team significantly better? It's an incomplete team. That's that's where I'm getting to. It feels incomplete. Does he really make the team that much better? Eh, it feels incomplete. Because it's so hard to put the pieces of this together without Joel in the puzzle. Right. Are they making trades with Joel in mind, or are they making trades with Tyrese Maxey? I think I'll ask you guys. The last two games they played, last night and what was that, uh, Monday. Monday. I think you're starting to see that without Joel Embiid, teams are going after Maxey, and he is struggling, right? Is he not? He, he is struggling right now as the lead player. Right. So all these people were saying, like, hey, you know, now you have Joel in the playoffs. If you need, like, not go through him, you can go to Maxi. You can go to Maxi if Joel's there. I don't know that you can lean on Maxi if Joel's not there. Do you agree? I, I, I agree, agree yeah, because you – Right I've, now. I've been saying, Mike, for a couple of weeks now, the Sixers don't have enough firepower. Um, well, that's apparent. Like we, I think we all understand too. Like they are a step below, but it's so hard to figure out what they are and what they can be without knowing what Joel's future is this season. We had Dr. Chow on yesterday. You guys heard the conversation. Yep. If you didn't, uh, he said basically that he didn't think that Joel was going to play again this year. So the Sixers have to have some understanding of what Joel's future is for this season. You go out and get Buddy Heald and say he's a free agent at the end of the year. What if Joel never plays this year? So what did you do? You went out and got Buddy Heald to play with Tyrese Maxey? I mean, now listen, they didn't give up a whole heck of a lot to get Buddy Heald. But I'm just trying to figure out, are the Sixers buying? Are they selling? Do they know if Embiid's coming back? This just doesn't, it, it seems incomplete. That 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 word you used, Scott, is is how it feels. It well, feels incomplete. You still haven't replaced. You can't replace, but at least tried to help Maxi with something down low. And I remember yesterday there were some rumors about potentially Andre Drummond, um, but they need help down there because you, you're seeing what Joel allowed Maxi to be, right? By having to pay attention to Joe, Maxi could score. Well, without him there, teams are obviously keying on Maxi. Yeah. So you need something down low to at least require a little bit of defensive attention. I guess easier said than done, right? I mean, well, sure. Who, who, we mentioned Drummond the other day. 
Well, also a guy like Olenek uh, already got traded. That's something they're still trying to do. Like a guy like, o, like I say, a guy like Olenek already got traded, so you you can't go out and get him. Mm-hmm. So it's like if yeah, if, I don't know that Olenek though is like he's more of a. Olenek would be more of a stretch four kind of guy. True. Um, I don't know that you're making it. They're, they're in a tough spot right now with the Joel thing, right? Not having any finality on his on his availability. This this is what I'll say in terms of where I feel this is. The word you use, incomplete. I feel like there's something else that has to happen between now and the top of the hour. That's one. Two. Um, these moves right now feel like setups for something else maybe after, like the buyout market, the, the, the Kyle Lowry stuff. If that's the case, I don't feel great. I, I don't sit here and say, man, I'm excited because they made these moves and they're bringing in Kyle Lowry and that's going to be the the piece. Even if, if I'm putting in my mind that Joel is back. Let's say Joel's back six weeks from now. And now it's Maxi Lowry, Healed, Joel, Harris. I don't know that that team feels any better than the one an hour ago, right? No, because what I you're mean, what you're doing me, is is that you're you're basically saying we're marginally better than we were before. We're not like the Knicks are making like a gazillion trades right now, and the Sixers are just kind of like working around the margins. Yeah, well, give me give me a quick update on what else is happening. Um, what are some of the significant yeah. things that have happened? Uh, well, I mentioned Kelly Olynyk. He got traded for some reason to the Raptors. Uh, PJ Washington has been traded from the Hornets to the Mavs for Grant Williams, Seth Curry in a first round pick. Uh, Raptors okay. have traded Dennis Schroeder to the Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie. Gordon uh, Hayward has been traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So you got him going oh, wow. out to OKC. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City's going for it. Uh, the Knicks. Right, they're like at the, yeah. them and. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, the Knicks have acquired Bug, uh, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich. Got to get the right Bogdanovich. Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. I like that. I like Bogdanovich for the Knicks. The Knicks are going for it. Yeah, and then the Knicks gave up Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archie Diacono, and two second round picks to get Bogdanovich and Burks from yeah, the, the Knicks. Go ahead. The Knicks are going for it. They, they, their move is we're we're going for Boston. Like when you make the trade on the deadline, where are you in the standings? Mm-hmm. That trade there says we want to move up the standings. Philadelphia's trade feels like. We're not sure if we're moving up the standings or we're just going to stay where we are. And I, I don't know. Um, not all that excited at this moment. You have 40 minutes until the deadline. Uh, we'll be uh, covering it here on the Sports Bash. We are at Radio Row in Vegas. And, of course, uh, man, this time change. I said last night there was. Uh, you'll hear a conversation uh, later on today we'll have with uh, Kenny Maine. He'll join us, the former ESPN Sports Center update uh, uh, anchor. He'll join us tonight. Mike Golick will join us a little bit later on today. Uh, Britton Covey, 
the Eagles wide receiver and punt returner. He's going to join us tonight. The Hottie Jones is coming by here in just a little bit here on the Sports Bash. We're brought to you, of course, on Radio Row by Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. If you have a big game party, they got the big game trays. Hook up my man Mel, get him on the phone. Let them know you need a tray, party tray for your Super Bowl big game party. That's Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. Plus, Clark's moving in storage. If you need a move, they can do it for you. Outstanding workers, outstanding on time. Move your whole place. Check them out. Clark's Moving Edge Storage. All right. We're live on Radio Row, Mandalay Bay in Vegas. Uh, when we come back, we'll catch up with former Eagles linebacker Dahani Jones here on the Sports Bash. It's the Sports Bash. Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Scott, Radio Row. We're brought to you today, of course, all of our interviews on Radio Row, brought to you by Dahani Jones. Excuse me, brought to you by uh, uh, Ernest Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop, Clark's Moving and Storage, uh, Dahani Jones, uh, the former Eagle linebacker. You know, yesterday we talked to Sean Merriman, you know, about the linebacking position and the evolution of that position. And we were asking him, if you, Sean Merriman, who was an excellent player, were playing in today's game, like what kind of role, what kind of position would he play? And he, he kind of was like, I don't know that I fit in today's game. You right. know, like just we, we brought up like a, a guy like um, um, Jeremiah Trotter, you right. know, just a big middle linebacker like those guys what position would they play in today's game like it's just like a kind of an obsolete position you know right it is interesting the evolution of that position and some teams value it and he pointed out accurately look at the two teams in the super bowl they have good linebacker play um and teams some teams don't value that position as much and look at the eagles and how that affected their season this year and uh it'll be interesting to see what they do with that um in the offseason yeah I don't know. Do you think? You I don't. Ex- I don't expect say, the philosophy that, to change. No. Well, what did you make of then Howie's response when he was when he kind of got really defensive about the whole line? That's Howie. I, I just think that's Howie who says, you know, when somebody says that he doesn't do something, he then does something just to say he did. But it's not a philosophy change. It's not a uh, uh, an attempt to really make a difference i think they just saw nicobe dean available at that spot figured they'd take him and now it's a chance for him to say and that's what how he does he just gets defensive and uh look look howie roseman's straight well let me before you get to that you you're in the locker room do you think nicobe dean is is the answer no no not i like nicobe if he can stay healthy but he is undersized, and that was the knock against him coming in here, and we saw how that affected him. Now, does he bring other things to the table? And if they have some other linebackers around him, can he mix in? Absolutely. I think he can be a value. But he's not going to be the anchor. I, I just don't think he can be the anchor of your linebacking core. Now, in defense to him, he was hurt a lot. It was his first year. We all often see growth from one year to the next to the next early in a career for these guys. Um, as they get used to the NFL speed of the game. I think N'Kobe will develop, 
but I don't see him being the anchor of this linebacking core. I don't think that's a good place to put him in. Yeah, I, and listen, full disclosure, last year I thought that Nakobe was going to be a playmaking linebacker. One of these guys that I like the black. pick. I think everybody liked the pick. In fact, you remember people thought that he maybe would have been the pick in the first round. He ends up getting picked in the third round, and you're like, wow, this is a guy that everybody liked. Well, now you're starting to see why he fell to the third round. He's small. He's got injury issues. But I will give full disclosure that I thought that he would be that playmaking linebacker that this team has lacked, a guy who can go side to side, make plays, you know, uh, break up passes, um, all that kind of stuff. There's Dahani over there, and um, we'll uh, hopefully try to catch up with Dahani Jones uh, in just uh, in just a couple of seconds. Um, as we're talking about the linebackers, we can try to get the linebacker, a former linebacker. Um, but you think about it, like I thought that that Nicobe would be um, that playmaking linebacker, and now I'm I'm, I'm kind of changing my, my thoughts on that. Just and, and when I said last year, look, if he could stay healthy. And now I think we're realizing he just can't stay healthy. Right, and that is that is going to be something Eagles have to decide, too. Is that a problem that could be lingering year after year after year with him uh, as he goes through his career? Uh, again, the undersized, it hurts. He's got to go up against those defensive linemen uh, that are much bigger. Uh, when he's trying to make a play, you know, he's got to compensate for that. He does, and I guess uh, you got Zach Cunningham. Uh, he's a free agent. Do they bring him back? They've got... Um, uh, Nick Morrow, he's a free agent. Well, we heard Merriman talk yesterday about knowing that uh, T.J. Edwards and um, uh, Kaiser White yeah. were both not even offered anything to say. That was uh, Clay Harbor. Who that was Clay that. Harbor who told us that. Correct. Thank you for correcting me yeah, on that. Yeah, Clay Harbor said he knows definitively that neither one of those linebackers got it even got it even a, a phone call, a text, a DM. <laughs> right, right. Just and say. And that's a problem. Uh, and, and then you build up that reputation, right? And, and then people want to know, like, do they really want to come after that? I don't think Tahani Jones knows where we are. Yeah, and Billy has one job, and he's <laughs> failing at it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the linebacking situation, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a topical thing on, on top of the fact that yesterday we had Merriman on, you know, and we're efforting to get Tahani over uh, here, which is um, – they don't really have, other than Dean, a linebacker even signed to the team currently. So you would think that Roseman has to have some sort of plan at that position to remake it. I imagine it sounds like Dean is part of that plan. You would, Yes. Well, he's got to be because you can't beat the price, right? You get that rookie contract uh, that you're on. I think he's got to be a part of that. And, and I, now it's up to Vic Fangio as well, too, to find a role that Nicobe can fit in that he could be successful at. Uh, in his scheme and in that defense. Um, yeah, and, and again, uh, you give them an offseason, a full offseason, uh, and he was he was still coming back from injury, so there was some rehab that had to still happen going into this offseason. But you got to get Nakobe to be a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, to be able to take some of the punishment that that position has to deal with. All right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, Radio Row. Uh, by the way, uh, Sixers trade deadline. We will continue to uh, pick up the pieces there. Um, we're looking at a little Eagle stuff as well, Super Bowl. The one thing, too, with when um, we talked to Clay yesterday about the uh, T.J. Edwards, we had 
Clay on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how different T.J. Edwards would have made this defense. You know, how different the Eagles' defense would have been this year if they just said, you know what? Because he mentioned yesterday, what you signed Bradbury for. Now, this is a lot of hindsight. I don't Correct. know. How did you feel about the Bradbury deal when they ended up getting him? After coming off like a second-team All-Pro type of season, I think we were like, okay, you got Bradbury back. Yeah, and, and, and again, you're right. The benefit of hindsight, it was way too much money. Um, but coming off the year he had, he looked like he still had a lot in the tank, or at least something in the tank to pair up with Slay, and, and you just liked that. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, in hindsight, that was not a good deal. And now they're going to have to deal with the complications of, of trying to get out of it. That's the big thing. And and we've looked at that contract a couple different times. I mean, there's not really a way to get out of that deal. And I said, listen, the only thing I could say is this. Roseman signed the deal. He's probably the only guy that could figure out a way. Like, when you offer that contract, Scott, you don't offer it without saying, I have a way to get out of it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, now, maybe there is no way out of it. Maybe they just take the cap hit and move on. But my question, here, here's one of my big questions of the offseason. All right, so we heard the reporting the other day from Jeff Mosher, which was that there were veterans or players that weren't even talking to Sean Desai. Like, they had no communication. Was Bradbury one of those players? And in that, does the front office and Nick Sirianni, do they know that Bradbury was unhappy in the defense? And that that was the reason for the slippage. And that they're saying, look, Vic Fangio, re because Bradbury had a bad year with the Giants. Mm-hmm. They To the point where they let him go. Right. And then the Eagles picked him up and he had a bounce back year. Right. So do the Eagles think he can have the bounce back year and keep him? Or do they just say, he's done and we're going to take the cap hit? It's, it, I think I think a lot of that answer is going to determine, be determined by what they do with the rest of the defense, and then that'll be a piece they come back and visit. Do they need that money and take the cap hit to get some of it? Or do they give him the opportunity to come back to camp and show that he has put in the work in the offseason to get back to being that guy? His age, you know, every time these guys get another year older, it really does affect everything, and I, I think... You have to worry about that step that it looked like he lost. His coverage this year was was really, really bad um, in one-on-one. He got taken advantage of frequently, and they continued to put him in that position to have to defend that way, which was not good either. So, um, again, scheme, again, player, you know, I think it's it's time to move on from Bradbury. But if it were me, I think I would move on and take the cap hit and get younger at that position right away. All right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Scott, we're on Radio Row. Uh, thanks to our... Uh, friends over at uh, Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine and Clark's Moving and Storage. Um, all right, we're going to keep our eye on the trade deadline. All right, we do have the Sixer stuff. They have acquired Buddy Heald um, along with Cam Payne, uh, Cameron Payne, uh, Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris, Daniel House, I think, and Furkan Korkmaz are the four players who have left the Sixers. So they are gone. Uh, draft picks are moving around, mostly second-round picks. I don't think any first-round picks have moved. So they're three separate deals have gotten you those deals. So we'll, we'll put the pieces together with that coming up uh, in just a little bit. I, Austin's going to join us at 3. Um, we're going to talk to Lisa Kearney a little bit later from FanDuel TV uh, about the game. And uh, 
it's like a, a whirlwind right now going on out here. It is. And it's, as you've mentioned before, Thursday is the day when the A-listers kind of come out here. So our head's on a swivel. We're watching for these guys and trying to get them to. <laughs> well, Billy was over there talking to somebody. Um, oh, Jordan Mailata. Uh, he's shaking his head now. Billy's talking to Jordan Mailata, right? And the rock pushed Billy out of the way and said, I want to talk to Jordan Mailata. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with more Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. It's the from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, live on Radio Row, Mandalay Bay. So we can um, put the pieces together. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a little you know, behind the scenes of what's going on here. It's just it's crazy, right? It yeah, it is. is absolutely, um, you know, so we're in a room right now that Deion Sanders, The Rock, Joe Montana, are all Jordan Mailata in at the same time. Devontae Smith's walking around somewhere, um, and we've been trying to like Billy's trying to tackle him. You're right. He, we've been trying to have a kind of like get him over he's, this he's too way. Fast, Billy but, can't catch him. He's, his route running is so smooth that he, he's getting <laughs> by uh, the Schweiner. Um, He's covering him like Bradbury. <laughs> yeah. Billy's Bradbury. Right. Yeah. He's getting toasted. You yeah. get what you pay for, I guess. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, so, a lot going on. Sixers trade deadline. The Sixers have made three trades now. Um, a couple text messages we'll read. We actually got a lot of text today. Deadline 15 I, minutes I, away. My computer... I did not have, like, up and launched, ready to go, but it is now ready to go when I see a lot of the text messages in. Uh, Sixers have a sec, uh, have a second away with House. JR was penalized a second for tampering when they got him. Okay, that text didn't make a lot of sense, but I understand what he's saying. The Sixers got penalized when they got Daniel House for tampering, and now they've basically given him away with a second-round pick. Uh, so that trade does not... That, that is a good point by that text message. Um, guys, how about to get out of this contract? The Bears get Jalen Hurts, James Bradbury, a fourth-round pick. The Eagles get Justin Fields, Jalen Johnson, and a first-round pick. Well, now we're really playing fantasy uh, football here. but I do not want to give up Jalen Hurts. I think the guy is such a competitor that he is right there. Like He's going to go into this offseason and come out next year with so much to prove and a big chip on his shoulder. And I'm excited to see, frankly, what happens with him and Kellamore's offense. That's why we got to get Devontae Smith here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's the big thing. This is what I'm intrigued by. There's Warren Sapp, by the way. Billy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, that's that's the big thing. I'm interested to see, is Kellen Moore going to design the offense similar to what he did with Dak Prescott and say, hey, Jalen Hurts, I believe in you as a as the guy who can basically be a, a pass us to like how much RPO and the running are we going to see from Jalen, and if that's eliminated from his game, then what is he? Yeah, I don't like the idea of eliminating it from his game. I'm, I understand you want to put him in position to avoid some of those hits. Um, and, Mike, frankly, what I'm looking forward to seeing is what does Jalen do in this offense with 
You know, I saw a stat earlier today. He's one of the best quarterbacks, according to PFF, thrown in the pocket. So you got to give him the pocket and the opportunity to throw out of that. But he's got the legs to get out of trouble. We've seen that. Um, and then when you talk about him as a passer, uh, I look forward to seeing what Kellen Moore does in that regard. Um, and, and, and the biggest thing I think Jalen needs to change from this year is the turnovers. And some of those were fluky, right? One off of hands, and they turned in interceptions. I remember one or two off of Dallas Goddard's hands. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing. If they don't turn the ball over, this offense could be could be really good. By the way, uh, Marcus Morris has now been traded by the Pacers. So he has now been traded three times this year. He's got to change his address again already. Yeah, so Marcus Morris' uh, house has been cut by the Pistons. So I guess theoretically the Sixers can re-sign house if they really wanted them. <laughs> um, Morris has been traded for a second time. Uh, Morris just got traded for Doug McDermott. So the Pacers have moved Morris, um, which is kind of interesting because I thought Morris, you know, a veteran guy, that Pacers team, they're kind of in the mix there. So we got anything else uh, trade-wise? I see, like, you know, the deadline's coming up in like 12 minutes here, so you're probably getting a little flurry of things that are just kind of um, getting ready to happen. But uh, for those of you just kind of tuning in, um, the Sixers got Buddy Heald. They've also acquired Cameron Payne, and that was in exchange for... Pat Beverly. So really the the Pat Beverly and Marcus Morris, those two veteran names who were contributors to this team. I mean, and Mike, if I can just jump in, you know, remember when Joel Embiid said that, you know, that they need to get tougher, they need more toughness. Well, you brought in Beverly and Morris with the idea that those guys were going to be that and now they're gone, right? Yeah, but I guess and it's a good point you're bringing up, Josh, because it it, it begs this question. How much of the Sixers look at themselves as contenders right now? And how much of this move is them looking at down the road? That, I think, is unanswerable at this point until 3 o'clock comes. And then, forget 3 o'clock. Now, what happens after 3 o'clock when everybody starts to um, release players? Right. Right? And then the buyout market starts to come and, and, and all that stuff. By the way, Shams happening. is reporting that the Spurs might buy out Morris. Oh, so Marcus Morris got traded from Indiana to San Antonio, and then right. the Spurs would buy him out. Correct. And theoretically, he can come back to Philadelphia. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, holy mackerel. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, but the full deal is the Pacers are sending Marcus Morris a second-round pick and cash to the Spurs for Doug McDermott and his, and his uh, expiring contract. So the Pacers, I'm just trying to think, like the Pacers seem like, I don't know, are, they, are the Pacers saying we're going for it? I don't know. I mean, they're obviously, they're kind of stuck in that like next tier, right? right. But if they pass the Sixers, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the Siakam deal, Mike, was a huge deal for them. Because That's of- true. you got to remember they made that trade for Siakam. But they're trading away Buddy Heald. And but he wasn't thinking, playing. Okay, right, he wasn't playing. But I think if you look at it as sitting here right now, no mm-hmm. Joel Embiid for the next minimally four weeks, okay? you got no Joel Embiid for at least, it's not even four weeks. It's going to be longer than four weeks. But the Pacers... Probably have passed you. Um, you this know. is this is interesting. The Bucks, according to Woj, are trading Robin Lopez to the Sacramento Kings. 
Yep. Lopez is expected to be waived and become a free agent. Huh. Now, that's an interesting... Because you were talking about earlier, Scott, like getting a big man. We talked about the incomplete roster right, right now. Yeah. Lopez, would he be a suitable replacement? Now, he's not Joel Embiid, but you could have him essentially be your starting center. He's a guy who can shoot the three, stretch. He's not a, a perimeter. I mean, he's not a, a, a like a down-low type of center. He's more of a stretch type of center. But he's very good defensively, right? He gave, he's always given and beat some problems in the post. Right. So if he was a buyout guy, I would think that he would be a guy you'd be interested in. I would think so. That's why, that's why I thought that, that note from Woj there was interesting. Really quick, so just, we'll I should remind you, it's Robin Lopez, not Brooke Lopez. Yeah. So. He, oh, Robin Lopez. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Different, def, definitely different story. It is. I got my Lopez's, uh, um, Mixed. Yeah, Robin Lopez is being traded and expect to be waived. Somebody just entered the room and That's, got a. You know what? They did that earlier when I walked in, but I. <laughs> for you? <laughs> you know what? Billy just walked in. That's what it was. Oh. <laughs> no, actually, it's when I leave they start clapping like that. Yeah. All right. This is so the Josh, reaction I us, get. Yeah. <laughs> keep uh, keep the trade. Uh, Keep us posted on anything else that's happening. Seven minutes in the deadline. The Hawks apparently are keeping Murray, so Correct. he is not going to get traded. All right. Um, By the way, the reason why the Sixers can get Mark Marcus Morris back really quick is because, Mark, according to reports, Marcus Morris is being traded from the Pacers to the Spurs in a completely separate deal. So the league rule that you cannot have played for a certain team, like the number of days... Because the way it works in the league is you're not allowed to play for the same team again with like a 45-90 day period. But because right. Morris was traded separately, he is now clear if he is bought out to come back to the Sixers. Gotcha. Hmm. How about this? Uh, have you seen, I, I just came across this, Pat Bev uh, saying that Daryl Morey told him he wouldn't be traded. Yeah, I, ha I haven't been able to edit the audio yet because he's dropping some F-bombs in there. But basically, Pat Bev said a couple so, of... Uh, have you heard it? Yes. Is he angry? Is he not happy? He's confused. He he says he, he's saying on this barstool uh, pod that he does, and he drops a couple of f bombs. Him and his co-host. Apparently, Maury told him a couple of weeks ago in Denver, "Oh, we're not trading you at all." And then he finds out in his hotel room today that he's getting traded. The cue up the James Harden Daryl Maury is a liar. That's yes, that's the thing that's circulating around the internet right well, now. Yeah. Here's what I'll say to that. Right. That was pre and bead getting traded. That's why I go back to: Are these trades being made with Embiid's injury in mind? Right. Like, has that changed the dynamics of what Maury's plan was? Because if he's telling Pat Bev a couple weeks ago, "Hey, we're not trading you. We're keeping this team together," that's with Joel Embiid. Well, now Joel's not here, and we've now changed our our blueprint. Like, I can understand that, but you would also say to him ahead of time, "Hey." You know, we're, we're we might move you. You know right. what I'm saying? I know I told you a couple weeks ago, but now that Joel's hurt, if there's a deal, we might have to move you, Pat. And really quick, Pat, Pat, Pat put out a tweet where he says, you know, it's all love. I love Philadelphia, Nick Nurse. I appreciate Daryl Moore for giving me a shot in the NBA over a decade ago. So his feelings are not that intensely hurt. Okay. All right, on the other side, uh, Austin's going to join us to uh, talk a little bit more about the deadline and what happened. So we'll get Austin Krell, our Sixers insider, coming up on the other side. Lisa Kearney next hour. 
uh, football at four today. We've got Britt Covey later on in the show. Uh, also Kenny Main, Mike Golick. Now that we're kind of settled, this trade deadline is over. Now my head can stop spinning, not only looking at the trades. Uh, we kind of getting overwhelmed with the amount of people here today. <laughs> More sports bash on the, on the side, on the other side. 97.3 ESPN. It's the Sports Bash, live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Add Joel Embiid to this, and now you have a high-volume three-point shooter. Now you have that balance attack. And so I think Nick Nurse knew that they needed three-point shooting. They just didn't have the roster to do high-volume threes to add to what Joel Embiid brings to the inside. All right, there you go. Deadline is in the books. And the Eagles, excuse me, the Sixers have been active. They made another deal during the break. We're going to break it all down. Sixers insider Austin Krell from 97.3 ESPN.com. We are live on Radio Row at the Super Bowl in Mandalay Bay. And this hour, all of our conversations are brought to you by Ernest & Sons. Old-fashioned butcher shop, meat market, brigantine, the big game headquarters, big bay game party trays, and more. All right, let's bring in Austin all right, buddy. Let's make some sense of what's happening here. Jaden Springer, by the way, just got traded to Boston for a second-round pick. Um, get Austin, can you give us your the messaging is from Daryl Morey today? So I think that the messaging is, and I think, like, in fairness, he has largely commuted. The, the, the messaging has been kind of there for a while, whether people like the messaging or not. Um, you know, it was that like, we're, we're not going, uh, we're not going to, you know, make bad moves or moves that we are, we're overpaying in picks for players that have big, uh, you know, that have big salaries because we want to keep our options open for the off season and beyond. And so I think like what you do today is you take some of the pressure off of Tyrese Maxey by adding a, a shooter, uh, in, in, in Buddy Heald. So you make that a little easier for the guy. Um, you are ostensibly going to get Kyle Lowry soon, and you and you, and you get campaign who will probably sit, you know, on the bench uh, here and there. Um, and if he's not, you know, if he, if, if he is either if he is even getting uh, playing time, that is. Um, you know, I, I think like by and large they're probably about the same team um, as they always were. Like I, I just don't, I don't think they've changed. Like you know, net they're probably a little. Bit better uh, because they got some shooting, and that will not only help them get up a more palatable volume of threes. Like the, the, they'll be, they'll, they won't be losing the, the math game like they are right now so dramatically. Um, but you know, it's also going to make things easier for Tyrese to attack. So you're going to unlock him a little bit. I think you are probably, by and large, a little, a little better is what I would say. Um, you know, the Pat Bev thing, people were all upset about that and up in arms. I think if we're having a realistic conversation about it, like, he and Lowry are probably pretty similar in just in terms of their on-court value. Um, so I would say that, you know, they're basically the same team. All right, yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there with what you said. Did they make deals today? That's the, that's the hard part. Did they make deals today with Joel in mind? Joel coming back in mind, not coming back in mind. Were these moves they would have made if Joel was healthy? Did they make these moves because Joel got hurt? Like, 
how do you kind of view why these deals were made today? So I think they kind of hedged their bet a little bit. Like, I think there is optimism that Joel will be able to come back and play this season in playoffs. And with that, you know, you add some shooting to the mix. And uh, I think Kyle Lowry figures to fit better next to Joel if he is on his way here. Uh, Buddy Heald obviously adds the shooting uh, that, we, that we talked about. So, you know, I think if Joel's back, you're a little bit more be- better fitting around him. But I also think you didn't expend big assets to, you know, get position you know, to add guys without knowing for sure if he'll be back. So I think they geared up for the future. I think they geared up for the present. And now it's just like, hey, can we just get a little bit healthy here and, like, get our guys back? And, you know, I, I understand that they had a lot of expirings. It would have been ridiculous to not make a deal at all. And they did make a, they did make one good move uh, today that is, like, objectively a good move. But I also think, like, you got it takes two to tango, right? And if you, you can try as hard as you want to move Robert Covington or this guy or that guy, if teams are trying to fleece you or you don't like the return you're getting on those, on those guys, you know, you, you can't make a deal that's bad for your team just for the sake of making a deal. So I, I do think that it is, you know, it, it's it's a, it's both for now. It's, a, it's it's not a it's not a commitment to really any sort of direction this season. I think it's just right. like you know they're they're, they're going to stay they're going to stay in the course with what they have, bet that they can get healthy and get on a little bit of a run here, and then hope that Joel comes back, and uh, you know that'll be it. Uh, Austin Krell, 97.3 ESPN.com, our Sixers insider. Uh, Sixers made a flurry of moves. Uh, Pat Bell, Bev, Marcus Morris, Daniel House. Uh, Jaden Springer also traded to Boston for a second-round pick. Now, you know, it doesn't seem like a huge move, obviously, on the surface, but Springer's a guy, very good defensive player, has been showing them a little bit here. This is just a sign they've just given up on him, I guess. Well, I think it's like if you if, you, if we look at his salary, uh, Jaden Springer, I believe, has some years left on his deal. I believe uh, he ha- still has twenty four, twenty five uh, m- money, and that would have been over four million on the books for the Sixers. So they are clearing out some money obligations for this upcoming off season. They add some draft assets. Clearly, they have designs of something large this offseason uh and that has been you know they've said they've said as much like the whole the part of why everyone was so underwhelmed with them coming into this season was like they felt like they kind of just punted away the season uh with when they didn't do anything last offseason so like you know this is largely you know them testing the waters all the first part of the year and saying uh you know we we know what we can be that's why we feel like you know we're in a pretty good spot but we do need to make some some tweaks here and get a little bit better, and then of course Joel goes down. So you know, I I, I think you know they've largely followed the plan that they've always laid out and that people were upset about. Um, it's just that I think it comes in contingent with jo- the free fall that they're in because Joel's out, because guys are injured beyond Joel, um, and because the Knicks went out and got Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich. But I think that also it, it is. You know, that also assumes that, like, those guys are all better players than Buddy Heald and, you know, are, are, are all going to be really good. Um, and I, I think that unless you're following the entire league and not just the local team, I, I think it's 
like debatable that that the Knicks just got so much better today. Or you know, like, I think the biggest deal of the day might as well have just been Patrick Beverly or uh, not, not Patrick Beverly, uh, Buddy Hield. Right, that, that, you know, there's so much here, man. My head is kind of spinning, uh, thinking about like, all right, um, did Daryl Morey just look in the mirror basically and say, "I'm punting this year," or? I'm going to get some help for Tyrese in the meantime, and if Joel comes back, great. Uh, it seems that there's a lot of what's the next move, and it's not obviously today with trades, but it seems like there's a lot more. Today felt more of like what's next down the road, offseason, free agency, and all that, while trying to keep the team similar to where it was three hours ago. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I think it, a lot of it, it has to do with they simply don't know what, what it's going to do with Joel. They think they have a good group already. They just have to get healthy. And so, you know, you, you, make, you use some of the assets you have right now. But, I mean, you are right. Like, it does kind of seem like you're kicking the can down the road a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of... I think, you know, we don't even know what the full team looks like yet because they they opened up three roster spots. Like, Springer is gone for a pick. House is gone. Uh, they traded two guys away in, 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 the healed trail, in the healed trade to get one. So you've opened up roster spots. Clearly there's something coming down the pike in the buyout right. market or else I, I don't understand the logic of it. So I, I do think that they aren't done trying to add to this current iteration of the team. But I think the, the right mindset should be like, look, if we don't have Joel – What's the point anyway? And so you make some moves to try to make things a little bit cleaner on the court, get some, you know, get some three-point shooting volume there. Um, but you also have to some find find a middle ground when you when when you don't know what the status of your star player is going to be. So I think it's a tough. It, it, I think the Sixers largely did a decent job of with, with what they with what they have. Um, should they have made better use of those expirings, perhaps? But that also assumes that there are moves that they didn't try to make and i don't think that's fair i think i don't i'm not privy to every single discussion they had so i can't say whether they did the right thing or not the right thing but i think you know it's it they look you know they, they kind of did what you expect is they they, they they don't really know how to plan going forward because joel's uh future you know immediate future as he recovers is up in the air still it's a very hard, awesome. very hard well, spot to be in yeah, Austin Krell, 973ESPN.com, uh, our Sixers insider. Yeah, you, you just kind of mapped out the, 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 the biggest thing there is the Joel injury. I don't know that that altered their plans. I don't know that it altered today and what they were going to do, but it seems pretty clear that they don't have a resolve in that and therefore just really couldn't make a strong, we're diving in with two feet or we're going to tepidly go at this. So they basically just, it seems, as we kind of hinted at, tried to keep this team where it is, and if Joel comes back, then we'll see how far it can go while trying to get some flexibility moving forward with contracts and, and, and clearing out cap space. But the buyout market thing is going to be interesting because everybody's mentioning Kyle Lowry. Does going out and getting a Kyle Lowry or adding in the buyout market make sense at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think you do need to fortify your team and get some get some other ball handling in there, um, not just to relieve Tyrese's uh, workload a little bit, 
but also to prepare for those minutes when if, if Joel's able to come back, uh, you know, and Tyrese is on the bench. Okay, how do you, you know, how do we get another another shooter out there, another you know smart veteran ball handler out there? Um, and so I, I, to, I totally think it's worth it to try to get Kyle Lowry, especially if he wants to come. All right, Austin. Uh, what do we? What is your opinion on Joel's season? We're going to see him at all? Do you anticipate that he's done for the year and they're just kind of pushing the messaging down the road? Where do you kind of sit with where the Joel uh, future is for this season? You hear a bunch of different things. Last night, Nick Nurse kind of, like, danced his way into saying that he thinks there's a chance that Joel comes back. I tend to think, uh, the you know, this is just me, you know, not this is not intel. This is just me giving my, my take on it. I think the fact that you didn't trade away, you know, two of those expirings and you only added Buddy Heald, I think is a little bit concerning for now. But I think also you have to know, uh, like, you know, they, they, they're still, they still have to wait four weeks for Joel to, to get to get the next update and what if he's ahead of schedule? Um, so, you know, I, mean, I certainly think that there are corners of the league who believe that he that this is that this is a sign that he won't be back. Uh, yeah, it's, we had uh, uh, Dr. David Chow on here yesterday at Radio Row. Of course, he does a lot of football stuff, but his opinion was we will not see in, in Joel. He had a lot of thoughts on on the whole process. You know, he said he did not think that the event that happened in Golden State with. Uh, you know, the player falling on his knee was the cause of this. He believes that there was already, uh, which I think we all understood. He said, you don't just get swelling like that. It's, it's pretty much there. But his opinion was that he will not return in this season. And you wonder if that is, that is the case. Um, we're kind of looking at, I don't want to say a lost year, but man, it would really intensify what Joel's, uh, what, what this team has to do in the offseason. To kind of what would they look like again, you know, after a season where you're like, what did we find out about this team? If this is the way, if Joel doesn't come back, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do we know about this team if Joel doesn't return? Yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously very upsetting to them. It's to, it's, it's devastating to them and their fans and to Joel to to go to to, to miss if he does not come back to to miss his. Is you know the latter half of his uh, twenty nine to thirty age season, um, you know I, I think the, the scary part of the matter is like you know how many more meniscuses or how many more knee injuries can can that left knee take, and you know how do you mitigate this further in the future, um, and you know I, I I think it's you know you might have to look at does Joel play the game differently going forward to help yeah. stay more healthy. Can he modify his body by like losing weight uh, or something along those lines? Um, you know, I think there are some conversations that they should probably have. He should probably have, you know, have with, you know, people be say like, you know, how do we really preserve me better going forward? Because he, they had, they seem to have a good thing going. They were, uh, you know, that they were uh, resting him a lot of the fourth quarters, uh, and you know, he was getting a lot of downtime and still putting up absurd numbers, and this still happens. Um, but I also think that part of the issue is, you know, look at the insiders, uh, you know, Woj and, Ch- and, and Choms with, with the way that things have been reported on about this. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty and it's, you know, it's kind of hard to track because the language is a little bit unclear of what we know. Uh, real quick, um, 
Buddy Heal, does he step in, starts, Melton, what happens there? Um, how do you kind of view what the current roster now looks like? I think I think Buddy Heald starts um, for now, and I would guess he probably remains in the starting lineup just to get some shooting. Um, and you know, I think there's a, I think this is a team that can you know stay afloat. I, w- I would say, uh, we, if if and only if they can get Batum back, if they can get uh, Milton back, and not just for a couple games, but like, can they, uh, you know really come back and give you solid play for them, you know, a, you know, extended period of time. And if they can, then I think you can get right back into this picture. You're only like, you know, you're less, I think you're less than three games out of the two seed right now. So, you know, there's a lot of basketball left to be played. Um, but just because Joel had his, had his procedure and it seems like we'll do, there'll be an update in at least four weeks. I don't think they or he are out of the water uh, or, or out of the woods, I should say yet. All right, it's a, it's a, I don't know. It, it feels like a confusing day. It feels like what just happened, right? I mean, maybe because you're back there and I'm out here and there's just a whirlwind of things happening. I just had random people who I don't even know. What are the Sixers doing? And I'm like, I, I can't even answer your question at this point because it seems so, uh, you know, so many moving parts and it, it, it is kind of an un, we, our assertion was, what are the Sixers right now? It feels, feels very incomplete. Would you concur with that? Yeah. I mean, they're, in, they're I would certainly say that, that they're incomplete right now. Uh, I would also say that like, it's it's good it's, you know if you don't have Joel it doesn't really matter and it goes to show you how valuable he is like you know this team looked like a top three or four team in the league with him on the court this year not just because uh, he was so good but because of how much better he made everybody else and as soon as he goes down I guess you know mentally it's a it, it, it's a big bummer for the team and they and that kind of manifests in worse play on the court but I mean look at them without Joel they've lost what is it, six to seven, seven of eight, and it looks like there's no end in sight there. Uh, you know, it's it, it it's the entire team. The the, the the team is definitely incomplete, and the difference between them being complete and where they are now is a seven foot guy who is really really good at basketball. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, by the way, Austin, he is the only player really signed now. Long term, uh, what through twenty twenty seven? He's about the only guy that's still like on a deal. I'm sure twenty twenty five. Maxi will obviously be the next guy. I guess they go at, but it's almost like, hey, we're clearing everything out, and this is going. This team will have a distinctive, different look. It feels like next season. For sure, uh, it, it it definitely will. Um, and it, it, a lot of it comes down to draft night and what they do there when they have picks available, um, more picks available. I mean, they've gotten back the second that they sent out in the in the Daniel House deal. They got that back in the spring trade. They've loaded up on a nice treasure chest of assets. Uh, it, clearly, there is someone on, that is either going to be a free agent or that, that they're anticipating uh, is going to be available. And when that person is available via trade, that's when you pounce. Austin Krell, 97.3ESPN.com. Check out his stories on the Sixers moves. And uh, we'll be keeping around the buyout market, I'm sure. That will be the next big, busy move out day for uh, uh, Daryl Morey. Austin, thanks, buddy.
Hopefully they can get Arsano Yasova back again. <laughs> Marco Bellinelli still out there? That's right. <laughs> start, That's right. Start away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, take care, man. Uh, Austin Krell. Um, the Bellinelli thing and, and Ilyasova, we were talking about this the other day, is that when Joel went down, they brought those guys in and basically changed the whole dynamic of what they looked like, and they won 18, 17, 18 games in a row. <laughs> All right, Lisa Kearney from FanDuel is going to join us on the other side. That'll be a fun conversation uh, from FanDuel TV's uh, show, More Ways to Win. Uh, those of you who have heard or seen Lisa, she's, you know, very fun, very funny, and she's going to give us some betting trends on the Super Bowl, insights on the season, what she's been hearing about this Eagles, what happened there. So Lisa Kearney from FanDuel is uh, set to join us on the other side. Mike Golick on the way. Kenny Main on the way. Britton Covey on the way. Our conversation with Austin Krell. All conversations on Radio Row are brought to you by our buddy Mel and the people at Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop and Brigantine. They got your big game party trays. Tell Mel you heard them on the radio. What's up? By the way, I saw Mel the other night. I was watching the Sixers game and Mel was on the TV his wife at the Sixer game. I saw you, Mel. I saw you. All right, tell Mel we said hello over at Ernst & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. Listen, it is worth making the drive over to Brigantine to go get a tray for your big game party. I promise you that. If you say, hey, I'm having a Super Bowl party, we need a tray, it is worth the drive to Brigantine. More Sports Bash live from Mandalay Bay, Radio Row, 97.3 ESPN. It's live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. We're at Mandalay Bay in Vegas. You guys are back in the Atlantic City metro area. Hopefully enjoying this week's shows tomorrow, by the way. We're back here. Uh, we're going to talk to comedian Burt Kreischer, who um, was playing blackjack last night with Jason Kelsey. So we will hear about that adventure tomorrow on the Sports Bash. Also, Mark Schler and Kevin Harlan on tomorrow's show. Kevin Harlan is the voice of Super Bowl 58. And you can hear the game right here on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, uh, Lisa Kearney from FanDuel TV is going to join us. She is actually um, on her way over here. And uh, it's just so many people that it's tough to get through here right now. There's just uh, so much happening. And uh, Schwime has been failing miserably. And he's saying that it's not from lack of effort. And I would agree, Schwime. Your effort has been very strong. Mike, 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 I have to tell you, it's overwhelming. Do you here. feel that you it's are overwhelming? Do you here. feel you are qualified for the job you have been asked to, to perform? I think I'm I'm qualified for it, but there's there's a learning curve. Well, here, here comes Lisa. All right, be perfect. Um, so why don't you try to flag her down All and right. let her know that's how the job works, Bill? Hey, we see you. We're right here at table thirty-one. Okay, All let right. me go do it. <laughs> Um, all right, Sports Bash Live, Lisa Kearney from FanDuel TV. I, I do want to, we're going to, um, we'll, we'll have a little fun later on to hear some of the stories. Billy, who hosts the locker room, was kind enough to see uh, Jen Smith is my, generally our handler. She is like our rock star. And she chose to not come this year, and I'm very mad at her. 
um, as Lisa Kearney said to join me from FanDuel. And uh, we're going to wrap with her. Now, I was telling my listeners, so normally, yeah. by the way, it's great to meet you. Great meeting you. Thank you for having me. What um, a week to have me. Jeez. This is so fun. It's I, So, okay, I'm telling the story here. My rock star is a girl named Jen. She works with us. She's generally like my version of like what she's doing. Gets everybody and say, hey, here we are. Instead, they gave me him. And it's not working out so well. He's failing miserably. But I made it. But, so and I said, we well, I said, there's Lisa. And I saw you looking for the table. And I said, Bill, she's right there. That's where you walk up and say, we're right here. You help her out. How are oh, you? Bill. Oh, Bill. He did, he did come get us. It's, from not, well, I, it's not easy, yeah, Lisa. It's the, yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys are the best. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Can you me. pull that just up a little bit? Sure. There we go. We all want to hear. Is this thing on? It's good. Uh, okay. No, uh, by the way, my producer, me. when I said Lisa Kearney's coming on and I was saying we're going to have a little fun, talk about the game and everything, he said he would describe you as witty. Witty. Yes. Oh, I like that. Would you say you are witty? I would say I'm witty. <laughs> so your producer and I are like, he's my new best friend. He like, he gets me. He yeah. understands. And it's me. not him. No, not it's him. the guy back at the Bill's studio. Bill's the runner. Yeah. Bill's the runner. He's the I'm runner. runner. <laughs> my producer's in Atlantic City. That's where we're located. Our station Hi, is in Atlantic City. Hi, producer in Atlantic City. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. So um, obviously the big game is happening here in Vegas. Does it feel like the game is even like on the horizon when you're like walking around doing this? No. Doesn't it feel like it's like the weirdest thing of like all these people just happen to be here, but it seems that no one's ever talking about this game. Well, it's because everyone's hyper focused on what they're doing. You know, like I have to get to this next interview. I have to do this next interview. I have to talk through. It's like you get you get through on Radio Row. You get through one day at a time. So we know we're all leading up to the thing. But no one ever talks about the thing. Because Never. It's ever, everyone is so hyper-focused on the moment. So what have been some of, uh, by the way, Lisa Kearney, FanDuel TV, uh, the show is More Ways to Win. And uh, obviously a lot of betting insight and stuff that you talk about. But what are some of the things this week that have, because no one's talking about the game, what have been some of the stories that have stood out to you leading up to you sitting in that chair today? Well, hey, Atlantic City <laughs> fan, friends. Uh the number, the sheer numbers associated with with the projections coming out of the American Gaming Association for the the game on Sunday are just mind blowing. Sixty eight million Americans are expected to place a bet Jeez. on the Super Bowl. That's one in four American adults, and a thirty five percent increase from last year when we set a record in Arizona. The the sheer ha- the handle and the scale. billion are expected to come in on Super Bowl Sunday. Last year, we set the record at $16 billion. It's like in a year, like we've seen the explosion for a little while, but what we're seeing from last year to this year is absolutely Well, and, and okay, so you go to your app, FanDuel, and place a bet. The sheer overwhelmingness of what you can bet on is astronomical. Yeah. Like the, the, the numbers you just put in terms of monetary but just saying, like, is it a pass? Is it a throw? Uh, are they going to run? Is there going to be a first down? What's the result of this drive? Will they punt? All that stuff, it is just unbelievable what goes into 
this game. I mean, you could do this on a Sunday at 1 o'clock, but I can't even imagine who's sitting there thinking about putting all this stuff together for this one event. Well, I have to give a massive shout-out and major props to our tech teams and our it, that, that manage our products because, like, uh, our our leaders that are are typically at these you know big events and things like our tech leaders are like blinders on not here they're in Atlanta they're in Edinburgh they're they're making sure that our fans have the best experience possible last year we took 50,000 bets per minute at our peak jeez we're expecting to double that on Sunday so you think about stress testing our products to just make sure that we can handle that scale and volume it's been a it's been a road for them I, I, and I, I appreciate them so much well, and, and as you know, we're in Vegas, which obviously started everything. But Atlantic City, we now have the sports betting. I'm at every Monday. I do a show uh, at Ocean Casino at the uh, the gallery, and it's just amazing to see the explosion of this. Which is kind of like you know, you're doing Fanduel. The the mass appeal is just unbelievable uh, where it has gotten. But you know, as we look at this season, the Chiefs are back. The team that was here last year is not. And that is the team that is in our area. Mm-hmm. So what would your – everybody has asked us. We're here. They're not, Eagles are not. And people are still saying, what happened to that team? Nobody seems to have an answer. Do you? What happened to What happened team? to the Eagles? If you were you to know, say – in my insight on this football season about the Philadelphia Eagles and why they were 10-1 and and looked like the team that would be here, and now they're not, no one has been able to give us a good answer. I want to hear yours. I don't think I can give you a good See, answer. See, exactly. Because you know what? Some years it's like, all right, this team has the secret sauce. Whatever it is, this team, I thought from from week one when the Lions came in and just waxed the Chiefs at Arrowhead, I was like, oh, God, this season is not going to be what it was last year. Losing to the Lions the way we did in week one, I took a, took a step back. I'm like, okay, we'll see what we get. The last quarter of the season, the Chiefs dropping every ball. We've got penalties upon penalties. We give a new contract to, won't say his name, but he is flagged 20 times this season, uh, jumping off sides, holding. Like, there's a lot going on that you, like, looking at the Chiefs team, and I'm, I'm sitting here saying, like, they don't have it. And then all of a sudden, it's like the postseason, this magic is back. And sometimes teams just have it. And for whatever reason, the Eagles just kind of fell apart. Six weeks ago, well, whenever the Eagles played the Chiefs and beat them and then beat the Bills the next week, those two teams played in the AFC Championship, and here we are trying to pick the pieces up. But six weeks ago, we were talking about which teams we think legitimately would be here. And I don't think anybody said Kansas City. Like, it was, like, to the point where, like, they just don't have it this year. And like you said, they just have it. Six weeks ago, we were saying they just, something's missing. And that is what is so wild about this league. But you know what, though? When you have a defense that shows up every single game, this defense is the best defense that Kansas City's had in the Andy Reid era in Kansas City. The giving up, holding teams to 17.3 points per game throughout the regular season, your offense has to be able to work with that. You go to the postseason, you go on the road for most of the games, and you flip that to 13.7 points per game. Like, you've got a defense that comes every day and shows up. And then the offense is like the candy, right? The kid, it, And then you got Pacheco that can run through He's from a our hometown. wall who's from your hometown. He's one of my favorite players. I love his work ethic. And you look up and you're like, 
he is dragging four dudes yes. seven yards. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. He and runs just, so violently. He does. He's so, fun to watch. So what do you make of the, the people who think that this will be an over? You just highlighted the defense, right? And and then there's all the weapons on the Niners, and everybody says, look at that roster. But I agree with you. Like, the, the Chiefs defense could be the reason that they win this game. What do you make of all that? And, and are, you, are you thinking this is an under kind of game? I, I have gone back and forth, and I read a ton, and I'm seeing where everybody's kind of thinking. It's very split. Like, you have people that are like, definitively, this is an over game. You know, it's going to be in the 50s, low 50. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm leaning towards the under just because the defense, defense. is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you look at the Niners defense, that's also very good. Not as, not, not as good against two tight end sets against the run they've been vulnerable um but they have nick bosa they are they are determined team these are two teams that deserve to be playing in this game you couldn't ask for a better matchup what about detroit oh man i wanted detroit so bad you did have a better matchup (laughs) turns out they weren't the better team that day but i wanted Detroit. i Ah. love dan campbell i love the way that passion and fire he has but you get into that that they're scary the detroit is scary you can't go for it on fourth down with a what was it a 17 point leader 14 point lead at the time yeah he'll never live that down yeah that's rough that's i I feel bad for detroit fans yeah i wanted a shot at them i'm not gonna lie (laughs) The, the thought, like that whole story, the fact that they have not won a playoff game in 30 years, you can't even comprehend that, like, as a fan base. The Eagles fans complained to us because, you know, they went to the Super Bowl last year and lost, and then this year they won 11 games. They've been to the playoffs three years in a row, and, like, they want to blow the whole thing up, fire the coach. This team hadn't won a playoff game in 30 years. So that story was so cool to kind of, like, they, but you're right. That team is not going away anytime soon. You remember when they were 0 and 16? Yeah. Not that like, long ago. What? What? Yeah, it's it's rough to be a Detroit Lions fan and get well, this far from that. Yesterday, we had Eric that. Kramer on with us, who was the last Lions quarterback to win a playoff game. And he said when the team was struggling, when they weren't a good team, they were so happy because they said, like, we're not winning, but we know we're getting good. Why? They said the coaching staff was so exceptional in Detroit. And that coaching staff, which stayed, they were lucky to kind of keep it together. Because you saw what happened to the Eagles. They lost their two coordinators, and it kind of – so to keep the continuity there, that team's going to be scary. Yep. I now, agree. if you're putting out a futures for next year, you jump on them. I absolutely would jump on the Lions. And they – when Dan Campbell took over, you knew that shift was real. You talk about that coaching, that just what he brings to that staff and that building and just the whole culture. It, he's got him. He's got him right. He's got him right, and he's got the players. And Jared Goff, to, to, you know, to, to get him to come back around and be playing some really good football. I really like Jared Goff. I think um, it, it's easy to cheer for him. Um, unless he's on the other side of the Chiefs. But, um, you know, I like what they're doing in in Detroit. Uh, Lisa Kearney from FanDuel TV is our guest here. And um, before we wrap up and kind of let you see what else is out there, because there's a lot going on in this place. It's Thursday on Radio Row. It was wild. I mean, well, I mean, not every day do you get Deion Sanders and The Rock in the same room. Yeah. Like the... The amount of energy between those two human beings is pretty unbelievable, yeah. really, when you think about it. <laughs> you've got celebrities, they were right there. you've got Hall of Famers, you've got current players, former players. There's, 
There's a, it's a sight to see here on Radio Row. So what is yours and Fandle's plans for Sunday? What, what's the, what's Lisa's day look like? Oh, man. Uh, well, it, it really, I, I'm taking this very personally, as you've heard in this entire interview. that I <laughs> Very ac- chief slanted. I accidentally say we and us. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm, I'm heavily invested in, in the Chiefs doing the thing, but I'm – Still getting two and a half points is kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Eighty percent of of our handle um, has been Kansas. We've taken on Kansas City. Right. Same with money line. Almost eighty. Well, it's to the point where people are like, "I just can't bet against Mahomes." Exactly. But and why? Why would, why would you? you? Well, I mean, the numbers back my bias. And in Reed. fairness. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's becoming. I'm 47 years old, so I watched Brady. It's becoming the Brady thing with Mahomes. Like, I just can't bet against this guy. Like, we're now watching a second version of what we said we would never see again, the Patriots. Yep. It's now happening before yep. our very eyes. They have a chance to go back-to-back. First team since the Patriots. Yes. Almost 20 years ago. It is 20 years ago. Got to ask you another thing you guys got going Sunday. Any extra insight you can give us on Gronk's preps for the Thanks the for kick. bringing that up. It's my favorite thing to talk about right now because I was at rehearsals yesterday, his practice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm like, I'm like, dude, t- like, take me into, like, what what have you figured out from last year? Because Kick of Destiny 2, it's a redemption tour. You know, he's all about, like, I have to do this for America, you know? <laughs> um, but he's very focused. Like, his dad's there. He's, you know, he's very focused. It was windy yesterday, too, and uh, he's doing all these practice kicks. But he looks good. He looks good. He was telling me about the sweet spot he found on his foot this year that he's consistently <laughs> striking. So he's really thinking like a kicker. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, you can go to FanDuel. You can you can place a free bet on make or miss. What Are do you, think you picking do? make or miss? I'm picking make. He's my teammate. I got yeah. to gotta give him the positive mojo. But uh, you go on there and you place your free bet, you can get a share of $10 million in bonus bets. Sweet. There you go. All yeah. right. Uh, check out Lisa on FanDuel TV and, of course, uh, the Super Bowl this Sunday. You can place all your wagers. Uh, do you have a favorite play yet? It doesn't have to be over-under game. Is there something that you're like, that's it, that's my play? You know what? It, this is kind of a funny play because I'm such a Chiefs homer. Um, Christian McCaffrey will score a touchdown. <laughs> Anytime touchdown score, like, you, you know, like the odds aren't great for you, but if you want to get a little skin and have fun, Christian McCaffrey's getting in the end zone, okay? More ways to win, Lisa Kearney. All week, Radio Row. Are you done today? Is this like your only day that you have to do the walks? Yeah, I'm doing the thing today. Um, Are and you then working? We're, we're prepping, yeah. And then we're prepping for, uh, we've got a really big Fandle and Spotify party tomorrow night um, that uh, we have more preps for. So when we leave Radio Row, New hat goes on, and yeah. here we go. All right. Well, well have it was fun. a pleasure to yeah. talk to you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for I having me. enjoyed it. Me. Billy, it. good job. <laughs> <laughs> My guy, Billy. All right. We're back here on Radio Row in Vegas. We'll be back with more uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show. Kenny Maine is still going to join us. Mike Golick is here. It's the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. It's the from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Hi, right, Mike Scott here on Radio Row here at the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58 and uh, of course you've got uh, the trade deadline today we've got the trade deadline today uh, a lot going on Joel and B tweeting Scott yeah the Joel and B tweet let me pull that up again right um, it was very cryptic as, yeah. as only Joel can be uh, okay here it is 
Lots of people got better. Three exclamation points. That's fun for competition. Dot dot dot. I uh, read that as saying lots of people got better. I mean, is he just but mocking? We did. Is he right? Well, is he exactly? Is he mocking the trade uh, situation? Like, is he mocking what his team did? Uh, uh, yeah, and you, he's so clever about not being clear of what he's doing that you just don't know. But I read that as lots of people got better. <laughs> but Except we did. for us. <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I, I hate to be the, like, the whole um, A.J. Brown scrubbing his social media. Like, I hate to try to read into what, like, these athletes are doing with their social media. But I know, like... You know, some people do it, I think, to mess with the, the media or mess with the fans. Sure. And Joel I think Joe is a, does that. Yeah, Joel is known. Uh, lots of people got better, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't know what to make of that. Uh, as he's sitting back and watching all the trade deadline stuff go down. And the other uh, interesting tidbit, that, that Joel Embiid... His contract is the only guaranteed one now on the books for the Sixers. Yeah. And Maxi, it's just his cap hold they have to worry about. Other than that, yeah. they got a ton of money they're well, going to be able to spend. We talked about that with Austin. The one thing with that, though, Scott, is, and you're right, to me, the free agent class is not a good one. There's not a player in the free agent class that you're like, okay, they are going to make a push for this guy. This would seem to be sign-and-trade type of situation uh-huh. uh, with another team. The question is, though, you know, obviously they're going to make a play to keep Maxi here. So you got a Maxi Embiid. What's that other – what's the rest of the roster? Because as Austin told us, Buddy Heald, he's a free agent. Right. Harris, he's a free agent. Um, everybody – I mean, essentially, as you just said, they don't have another guy really signed. So you're looking at a complete overhaul of the roster from a team that at one point this year was in the number three two spot in the in the pecking order and now you're asking joel for like the fifth sixth seventh time to play with a completely different deck of cards yes and it really feels to me like mike the more that i'm thinking about this that you know they're not they're not packing up their tent on this season but maury is saving his chips to go more all in next year that's what it feels like is the way that we kind of uh, we're discussing with Austin was it feels like we're going to kick the can down the road. Yep. We like what we were doing. If Joel comes back, we have a team in place that maybe he can help take a, make a run. But if not, we want to clear everything out and really take a shot for it next year. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Because if he is able to come back with this kind of cast around him, so there's a question. Is the cast around him, if he comes back, is this enough? To get over the second round hurdle, and and, and no. knowing knowing full, you knowing, mean with Joel back? Yes, if I he's don't able. Think so. And the other part of it is, is this enough to keep the Sixers from having to worry about falling down into a play-in game area this year? Good question. Good question. Um, all right, Sports Bash ninety-seven-three ESPN. Thanks to uh, Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine, your big game party tray headquarters. If you have a big game party. Make sure you use my buddy Mel over at Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop and Brigantine. They'll make the party tray for you. It's worth the drive. Speaking I promise of, you. Uh, party tray, I just saw a guy walk by in a hot dog suit. I did see that guy. Yeah. Uh, coming up, football at four, Andrew DiCecco. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to the little Eagles with Andrew. And then Mike Golick is here. Kenny Main is here. 
Eagle wide receiver and punt returner Britton Kobe is here. That's all still to come tonight right here from Radio Row, Mandalay Bay in Vegas on the Sports Bash. Jersey 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Andrew DiCecco, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. We're never satisfied. That hunger for more. That hunger for more. I have it. Everyone has it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Andrew DiCecco is here today, and our conversations on Radio Row at Super Bowl 58 Mandalay Bay. This hour brought to you by Clark's Moving and Storage. Little birds, a lot of eagles out here today. Let's bring Andrew DiCecco in and uh, talk a little birds and some eagles with him right now on the Sports Bash. What's going up, Andrew? Mike, how you doing, man? You know, at this time last year, you and I were chopping it up there on Radio Row. Yeah. I miss it, man. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, this is why, you know, yesterday we had Fletcher Cox on the show, and he's walking around out here, Kelsey's out here, Britton Covey's going to join us later on tonight uh, at 5 well, tell, o'clock. Tell Britton, tell, tell Britton I said hello, man, that's, uh, I talked to him quite a bit this season. I will, yes, uh, so he's going to join us at 5, um, there's a lot of Eagles out, Devonta Smith is out here, Jordan Mailata is supposed to join us coming up in a little bit, uh, so we've got a lot of Eagles flavor out here, man, and, and there's a lot of people talking about this team, we had Fletcher on yesterday, and tried to ask him, Andrew, like, what his thoughts were about what happened to this team, um, Josh, if you can get that bite for Andrew, but it was kind of a powerful answer, I thought, in that he said, basically, it made him sad. Like, it makes him sad to think about what happened to this team. And, like, hearing the rawness and the realness from Fletcher as he was sitting in front of us, I think it encapsulates what this offseason might have to be. For 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 a guy like Fletcher Cox, when we asked him, like, well, are you going to be back? He said, I really don't know. He doesn't have an answer to it. But to hear a professional player basically said that what happened to the team made him sad i think it kind of demonstrates how uh, confusing what happened to the eagles actually was yeah that's interesting mike and obviously it had to be something catastrophic and something that has yet to be explained it goes a lot deeper than what many anticipated or what many sort of uh, perceived the shortcomings to be and obviously talking to fletcher yesterday as you did you he sort of intimated as much which is you expect certain stories to come out in the coming months as as we continue to find out more information. But obviously there was a deep-rooted issue, issues that were, you know, ruining that team and fracturing it. And, I mean, a lot of it, some of it has come to the surface. You heard uh, Jeff and Adam on last week's Inside the Birds podcast with the Sean Desai uh, news that they had there and, and things like that. But obviously there, I think there's even more beyond that as well. Yeah, and I wanted to bring that up to you because one of the conversations um, we, you know, Adam was here yesterday. He's actually out here, uh, was on with us live from Radio Row, and we talked about like the lack of communication between some defensive players and Sean Desai. And one of the interesting guys for me, Andrew, is Bradbury. Uh, I don't want to sit here and speculate that uh, one of the guys who didn't talk to Desai was Bradbury, but I mean, if I'm trying to draw some lines and put the pieces together, it seems that it's quite plausible. So my thought would be that contract is very difficult. We know it's going to be a big dead cap if they move on. But do the Eagles feel that Bradbury's done? Do you feel that Bradbury's done? 
or that he had a down year based on the lack of possible, you know, vision with the coordinator? Uh, well, the, the first part of your, uh, of your question, I would, I would be shocked. I would be floored if James were a player that wouldn't speak to his defensive coordinator. Just being able to be around them and talk to him for a couple of years, that would be highly out of character. I, I don't think that he would be one to do that. Now, the second part of that, do I believe that he's reached the tail end of his career and he's finished? No, I, I don't. And the reason why I say that is, well, one, you have a new defensive coordinator, so you don't know how he's going to use him. And two, as I said last week, maybe to you or, or, or someplace else, that I think that he can be a functional piece. Now, as a starter, probably not. To expect a bounce back is unrealistic. You don't suddenly get your burst back, your speed, your fluidity at, a, at that age, at that position. But that's not to say that you can't sort of take on a Corey Graham-esque role as a third safety, perhaps, or maybe even be a specialist type of player that, that, that lines up against tight ends. Bradbury still has good coverage skills, but more, more so in confined spaces rather than being out there on the island where you can, the teams are be able to exploit his, his lack of long speed. But I, I certainly don't think that, that he's done playing at a, at a respectable level. Uh, Andrew Checo Football at Four, you know, one of the other uh, people we had out here, Andrew, was Clay Harbor, uh, was on with us yesterday, as was Sean Merriman, a linebacker. And both of them stressed that the Eagles have to start trying to upgrade at that position. We heard what um, Howie said, you know, about the Nicobe Dean. Um, but do you see that that linebacker, forget the Eagles, is becoming more of a priority in the league and that the Eagles obviously should prioritize that station, uh, position more? Yeah, it is, but there's a certain type of linebacker that's becoming more prevalent and, and, and almost crucial to a, to a defense, and that's uh, a, you're seeing lighter linebackers who are more fluid, moving sideline to sideline, and more adept at covering tight ends and tracking running backs out of the backfield. So in, in, in that sense, yes, they do need to they need to upgrade that because you're seeing a lot more offenses that are apt to spread you out and take advantage and exploit any sort of perceived weaknesses that may be there. So you have to have athletes at all three levels. And I think right now with Vic Vangio, and you and I talked about this last week, you don't take the job without some sort of assurance that, hey, we're going to invest and make it more of a priority, the linebacker and safety position, which we sort of neglected in the past. Because what was currently there, what's currently there now, and what was there last season, the season before, well, not really the season before, but last season simply wasn't good enough. So I think if you're Vic Vangio, you're going to, you're going to make it known that hey, look, I need a safety, a smart safety, a veteran safety, a versatile safety that can execute what I need him to do defensively. Because a lot is required of a safety in Vic Vangio's defense. And as far as linebacker, yeah, you need a smart player that's going to because look, they, they don't blitz. They don't throw. He's not going to throw a lot at you. You have to get home with four or five man pressures. So your second level needs to be able to hold their own and take care of business. And I think right now, when you look at those two areas, that's where the the issues lie. And the Eagles have a lot of work to do. And I do think they're going to look to rectify that this offseason. Uh, Andrew Checo, football of four here on the Sports Bash live from Radio Row uh, in Vegas. And of course, uh, the Eagles putting the pieces together. Uh, we saw Devontae Smith out here. Uh, he has been walking around. Um, you know, one of the things 
um, that I'm looking forward to. We had a lot of conversations about Kellen Moore. Clay actually said yesterday he thinks Kellen Moore is a top five offensive coordinator in the league, which when he said that, it's kind of an eye-opening statement, but it made me think about how they might change the way they use Smith as we see him out here. I'm like, you know, thinking to myself, do you, Andrew, see Kellen Moore changing the way that that the way we have seen Devontae Smith be used in the past next season? Oh, 100%. I think one of the bigger beneficiaries with the Kellen Moore hire is going to be Devontae Smith. You're going to see them utilize him in motion, find different ways to get him open and take advantage of his ability in space. Also threaten vertically a little bit more with him because I think that he was more relegated to to a minimal uh to you know minimal route concepts and things of that nature but you're going to see him be able to really expand what he's able to do um and just really open up the playbook with him and unleash him and then you have aj brown who can do it all as well but he's really going to accentuate Kellen moore what what devontae smith's able to do so i i'm really i'm really interested to see how he really takes flight here in 2024 uh, Andrew, by the way, former Eagles wide receiver uh, Mac Hollins is uh, hanging out in an Oakland A's jersey uh, with uh, no shoes on, walking around. I wonder if uh, he, he would be a guy. <laughs> yeah, no shoes, uh, an Oakland A's jersey. Um, but, uh, yeah, you talk about that wide receiver position. And, and Smith, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of people um, kind of, you know, talk about the way that he used C.D. Lamb out in, in – um, uh, in Dallas, Dallas, and then trying to mesh that role, and then also what AJ Brown brings to the table. Thinking, you know, the offensive side of the ball, that third kind of wide receiver. What kind of guy do you want, want to see? How we kind of target for that role? I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that you're going to see a notable hallmark of the Kellamore offense is utilizing the third wide receiver, which is a position that the Eagles really didn't tap into last season. You saw they had a rotation of Alameda, Zacchaeus, Quez Watkins, Julio Jones. Now, I do think that they will invest in a receiver probably on day three. They have a lot more needs at critical positions. But I also am of the belief, and I've, and I've talked to Britton about this, that he warrants consideration for a larger role in the offense. I think that his short area quickness, is essential in creating spacing for guys like A.J. and Devontae to operate. thought he did some really good things late in the season, and he does have some bursts. So it's a new dimension that the Eagles don't already have from their pass catchers, and I think that he deserves an opportunity to carve out a more substantial role on offense. But I also think they're going to look to address that later in the draft, maybe a guy like a Luke McCaffrey from Rice who has a big body at 6'2", 200 pounds, Maybe they look to find a low-cost veteran in free agency, but given their needs elsewhere, it's hard to envision them investing substantial resources in the number three wide receiver position. All right. Uh, we got, uh, obviously, a lot of all-season stuff on the way. Draft, I, I heard you just mentioned a couple of draft possibilities uh, as that season is going to be starting to heat up. We'll talk more draft, of course, uh, with Andrew as we get a little closer. Um, you mentioned uh, like uh, you know, that you're – you and Britain, uh, you talk to him a lot throughout the course of the year. Um, mm-hmm. why, why is it do you feel that he has not maybe had a bigger role? Would he have, be a guy that you think could have a role as a kind of a slot guy in, in a Kellen Moore type of offense? You, you know, when I tell you something, Mike, you know, you know that I, I mean it, and it's something that I've seen on on film and. 
being around someone and, and, and talking to enough people, he, he can play. He has a lot more to offer than what he's been able to, to show in his two seasons. And uh, an explosive player, good short area quickness, short to intermediary option that, like I said, he, ha- he offers a different skill set than what the Eagles already have from a wide receiver position. And I think the reason why he wasn't seeing as much action is because, I mean, look, you saw them struggle to get the ball to Dallas Goddard, uh, uh, who was the third option in that offense, let alone someone like a Britton Covey. You saw Quez Watkins not really be a factor. You saw Julio Jones not really be a factor. Uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, I thought he should have had a larger role. I thought he was really good um, operating in space, and they didn't really tap into that. So they were really trying to, to funnel the offense through A.J. and Devontae, and there wasn't much left for anyone else to really step in. But later in the season, you saw that they had capable options, such as a Britton Covey that was that could step in and give you a handful of snaps and catch a ball or two. And I think him being in the system for two years, working with Aaron Moorhead, I think you you owe it to him to give him a shot at, at, at that job while also adding some more competition uh, via the draft and, and possibly free agency. All right. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, the offseason and getting it all uh, put together, see what the blueprint will be for Howie Roseman as uh, we're getting close to free agency now, about a month away from NFL free agency. And then the draft will be hardcore all over that right here on the Sports Bash. All right, buddy. I wish you were here. We... Didn't order a pizza to the uh, establishment last night, but uh, we missed you. <laughs> that, that was classic, man. That, that we'll never, uh, we'll never forget that. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Enjoy your time, man. All right, man. Andrew DeCecco, Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast, and that conversation is brought to you by my friends over at Clark's Moving and Storage. If you have a big move, you need to get from your old house to your new house. They can do it, Clark's. They did me. They can do you. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Hold on real quick. Schwein, would you put that headset on real fast? You can put down the music real quick there, uh, Josh. So uh, Mike Golick's going to be joining us okay. here. So, Schwein, you're having a rough day at the office? I wouldn't say so. Oh, you said that, you, you, you said that you're... Um, <laughs> I mean, first of all... It, Billy Schwein from the locker room, everybody. Yes, Saturday I mean, and Sunday... In the locker room, to, ten a.m. to twelve. What do you noon. got? You got some. Uh, you got some stuff coming up in the locker room. Yeah, you just, you've been you've been uh, getting material. I've been out here working, Mike, and I'm, and I'm trying to help. Seems like you're working for yourself, but no, not for no, me. that's not true, Mike. You know I've been assisting. So you've, you. I you've put worked, it right on. Put it right on your yeah, tape. You've worked well for you, but you <laughs> failed for me. Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Mike, this is this is my first time doing first it. rodeo. So, first rodeo. So it is first it is a, radio row. Radio row. It's a learning experience, and, and you know everybody everybody that you see, they're pretty much booked, and and it's very tough to get into their schedule. You got to work your way, weasel in, you know, be nice, to have for them to accommodate you. Yeah. So that's the tough part. You're not nice. You're a weasel. <laughs> We've heard all that now. I'm not a weasel, uh, but you know it, it, it's 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 a little overwhelming for the first time. Yeah. I must admit, but. You know, it's it's fun. It is overwhelming, isn't it? I think today's a little like, easy. Like, could you think you could do show live? Very and focus. Be, well, as you've been distracted, and, and I'm very hard to distract. And you're very hard to distract. So if you're distracted, I know I am. And there's Hall of Fame tight end Kellen Winslow walking by. We, One, probably gonna, the greatest tight end of all time. Right, and we're going to have him on. Uh, we're going to play his interview Saturday. Yep. And uh, we have uh, a lot of a lot of uh, great guests that I'll reveal. 
But um, yeah, this is it's a who's who, Mike. There's all, I mean, we've seen Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb. We've seen um, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders. The Rock pushed the you. The Rock pushed me. Talking to Jordan Mailata went up and introduced himself. He had like so. Were you talking the, to Mailata? Wait, the Rock, who probably doesn't need anybody to protect him, had about thirty men around him, <laughs> big guys, pushing everybody out of the way. So you were talking to Mailata, and the Rock shoved you. I wouldn't say though, not the Rock. The second depth of the second row of his, uh, his security <laughs> detail. <laughs> uh, there, it's, there's radio stations, TV stations, podcasters from all over the world here, and uh, it's yeah, it's, we got Ireland behind us. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's truly amazing. I appreciate the opportunity. Now, um, when when what was your vision? Is it more less? I think uh, it's a lot different. more different. No, it's a lot more than what I what I thought it would be. The magnitude of the, the the scope of the, the amount of radios that are here. When they say radio row, it's not a row. I mean, it's it's well, we're it's a, a highway. <laughs> we are in a massive um, convention center, and it is filled. I mean, it is legitimately filled. But just the sheer amount of people that are walking around, and as you said, it, it is. It's very it's intimidating. Overwhelmed. If you don't, if if you're if you're if you're sheepish, it's intimidating. You know, you gotta you gotta remember you're approaching people that are in the Hall of Fame and, yeah. and had great careers. Steve Largent. There's Steve Largent right over there. Right there, Bill. Right, right there. You you had him on, right? You. you I've talked, talked to Steve, Steve in yeah, the past. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're talking about one of the greatest players. Now you had Kellen Winslow was sitting in that and we're chair. We're gonna play that interview on Saturday. You're literally saying that the greatest tight end potentially of all, of all time just talked to the Schwein. Yes. Isn't crazy. that amazing? Pretty crazy. Another thing, that, another thing that I realized that I—you think you know people. Like when I was younger, I could I could pick out anybody in a crowd. But now you're pointing to me, and my head's spinning. Like who is that? I, I don't even recognize him. Dan Marino. Yeah, well, he was way far away. <laughs> Come on, and he was sitting down. People have their backdrop set up. You know, it's you can't see through. Let's take looking through a screen. Yeah. Right. But but like, you, I don't recognize everybody. Yeah, you know, people have changed over the years, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and a lot of times too. You know, obviously football, they wear helmets. So when you actually yeah. see them without the helmet, you're kind of like, I know I recognize this yeah, guy, but I, I don't know who's that. I don't know who the, <laughs> yeah. you know. But there's just such a mass amount of people, and it's you know, it seems that they come in droves. Like yes. one guy goes, and everybody starts following, him, and then you know, it is. Look, it's not an you, easy, we it's saw, not an easy job. We but saw, do you think you're up for the task in the future? Absolutely, no doubt about it. We saw Chris Longwalk here. You pointed him out. I went yeah. and I got him, and he said, "Hey, listen." I said, "We have these times." He said, "Oh, I'll definitely. I'll be here. All, I'm on my way to lunch. Get see me tomorrow. I'll definitely come on." So well, one of the I won't be here tomorrow, but hopefully you'll be. Yeah, here. we will be here tomorrow. Uh, one of the. Uh, challenges of doing this is you're, we're doing the show live. Right. It's also a different time in our. We're, we're, I, I that, th- that's throwing me off too. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> well, because I, I have my watch is still set for the East Coast time. My phone's not. So because I so I keep things in you know perspective. Yeah. Well, I, I woke up way too early this morning, and then it fi- I think it finally caught me, and yeah. I crashed back down. because yeah. yesterday I was up you and got, out. I went out, I went to bed way before you guys did last night. That's true, but one of the reasons I hit a wall. Well, we went out to dinner, and you left, and Scott and I said that we wanted to try to push ourselves to stay right late, ter, so that we didn't go to bed at like eight o'clock, because <laughs> you left about eight. 
Yeah. yeah. I went home. I took. I went into my room. Still better? Took a shower. Got myself. I had a blister on my foot from all uh. the walking around. You should see the size of the blister. The size of a quarter. <laughs> right? So I, I, I played hurt for you, Mike, for you, Mike, last good, yesterday, good. right? I played play through the pain. Um, but when I got home, I, you know, doctored that up, and, and, and my knees were killing me from all the walking around because <laughs> uh, I, need I need the right knee uh, replaced. Well, and and uh, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a rough deal, but I passed right out. And, Mike, Mike I got up early this morning as well. I got up at 6 o'clock. Fresh as a daisy. 6 o'clock uh, local time. So what's that? Nine o'clock. What's By the way, Jason Kelsey was here earlier with Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, yeah, DJ. I saw. I saw uh, um, uh, Stephen A. Smith walking around. That's right. He was here earlier too. Yeah. Yeah. So All right. Well, good job. Thank you, Mike. Sorry, I haven't. You, you I had... struck out pretty much on every pitch thrown, <laughs> but you did swing hard. I didn't get called out looking. Nope. You swung hard. I went for you it. Definitely. You know, you got to swing the bat. Yeah. Got to get the bat off did your you shoulder. Did you ever give me the waters? I didn't do that. <laughs> All right, we come back. Mike Golick will join the show here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN Live on Radio Row. The interviews this hour, they're all brought to you by Clark's Moving in Storage. Back with more Sports Bash, former Eagle Mike Golick coming up. It's the Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, we're live on Radio Row, Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Scott, we continue on thanks to our friends at Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Meat Market and Brigantine and my guys over at Clark's Moving in Storage. They moved me. They can move you. Right now, he's part of the Westwood One Super Bowl broadcast, which you can hear exclusively here on 97.3 ESPN. Mike Golick will be on the sideline. Holy moly, back for the Super Bowl. Mike Golick, good to see you, buddy. You as well. Looking forward to it. I get to do kind of the, uh, the God rest his soul, Tony Saragusa analyst on the sideline. I'll be down there. Laura Oakman will be the real sideline pro. And then Kevin Harlan and uh, Kurt Warner up in the booth. So looking forward to it. All-star cast for yeah. the game. Yeah. Going third, all out this year. Third, I've never gone. I think this is my 26th or 27th Super Bowl. And I've never gone to the game until I started working them. Yeah. I never wanted to be around. I went home watching on the couch. But this is now my third year working it for Westwood One. So it's pretty cool. Well, one of the teams is back from last year. Right. What happened to the other one? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It was amazing to, to be 10-1 and one and still be talked about with, boy, they still really don't look like they got it going on. And then, man, you put the Desai up in the booth. You got Matt Patricia now calling plays. It just it got ugly. I mean, now you're looking at a team that was in the Super Bowl, that was then 10-1, and one, that fell off the cliff, that now next year will have their third O coordinator and third D coordinator in three years. I mean, Nick Sirianni, who I've gotten to know, is is got to know he's going to be squarely on the hot seat next year with that kind of, that drastic of a change from having a 10-point lead at halftime to where they are right now. Well, he was seemingly on the hot seat this year. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't buy that. I didn't think so. I did not buy into that at all. I didn't think he was. But now again, like I said, I, I don't think people understand when you change coordinators and then you possibly change position coaches to go along with it just the changes you're making to players if you're going to run different systems now of what they have to learn it, it's it's not that easy at times uh mike golick westwood one super bowl broadcast is on 97.3 espn he'll be a part of that all-star team yeah we're looking at the eagles and what happened there and we'll look at the game and uh that's happening on sunday but you know you mentioned it 10 and 1 so do you look at a team now that is 
a non-playoff team rebuilding? Oh, no, no, no. I think they're a playoff team for sure. I just think, I mean, how they fell apart. I mean, once you start, things start going wrong, you have to understand players are human. You start, it starts to get, get mental as well. Physically, you're getting beat on the field, but then mentally, you're like, wait a minute, we're better than this. Why is it not working? And then, and then you're, you're expecting something to go wrong. It's a, it's a very, very horrible thing to go through. I've been through it. Anybody who's played long enough has been through it. So, but it's baffling. It, it started being baffling at 10 and 1 when, when, like I said, we looked at him at 10 and 1 and said, oh, there's, there's, uh, I don't know how much we're buying but in. Think about it. They 10 were 10 and, and 1. They beat. The Chiefs yes. and the Bills, yes. the two teams in exactly. the championship game in back-to-back weeks. I mean, you, if I was still playing on that team, you got to be sick. As a player, you got to be sick. As a fan, you got to be Fletcher sick. Fletcher Cox was here today and said he is still sad thinking about because he can't put his finger on no. what happened. You can't. I can't. And if they can't, nobody else can. Look at Helpless as a player, though, right? Like, how unbelievably helpless. did we struggle? How did this I happen? I don't know. How did this happen? Now. You got injuries, right? Injuries in the back in the in the in the back seven. That certainly doesn't help. I mean, so thin at at times at the linebacker position. Teams are going to pick on the middle of the field line. So there are X's and O reasons on why you struggle. But like I said, then starting to change up on the defensive side of the ball with the coordinator, what you were doing. That's when you start going. Wait, are we getting desperate here? What's what's going on? And yeah, yeah. You were. You started to get desperate. Well, and being in the locker room and talking to the guys during the season, they were they couldn't find the answers, and you could tell they were trying to come up with answers. Having been, you know, a player and obviously been in the locker room and looked at players when things weren't going right, what's that like? But what well, we don't see, what do we not see? It, it's frustrating. It, it's the frustration because you know you're better than that. The team hadn't it changed some. They did, you know. There were, again, when you start to look at reasons, you get rid of a DB, you get rid of a couple linebackers. You don't, I, I think from a, from a salary cap standpoint, you were way below the average at the linebacker position. So yeah. you can look at some moves and say, were these the best moves? Was this a little, a little egotistical saying, oh, we can get by without those guys and we could do that here when, you know what? You couldn't. You know, you weren't able to do that. But as far as the players as a whole, the frustration level of you just have to tear it back down to the basics of just go out and do your job. But you start to get frustrated, and sometimes you start to do more than you should. Do your job. Trust the guy next to you is going to do his job. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, if there's a breakdown, then you got somebody has to try and make up for it. For, for the most part, you just need to take care of your job because for all the rocket science we want to make this game, uh, it's a game of one-on-ones. Win your battles. You mentioned, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni earlier. He's going to be on the hot seat this year. Uh, you got to expect. But there were big-name players coming out, really backing him, like a Jason Kelsey yeah, and things like yeah. that. How significant is that, and and how will that carry over in the well, next year? Oh, I think that is big that they have faith in him because again, he was the coach of the suit. They were in the Super Bowl, so it's it, Nick Sirianni did not forget how to coach. Okay. Because he had him with a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl, and they were 10-1. and one. So it's tough to look at that one thing and say, oh, yeah, he's the reason. Now, you can look at some of the moves that went on and question them. But one other thing you have to remember, I, I was just talking earlier today uh, with Max Crosby, and we were asking him about, you know, why you backed Antonio Pierce so hard to be the coach. And he said, A, I believe in him. And he said, B, people don't realize 
the change that's involved when you change a head coach. And just as I mentioned before, head coach, coordinators, position coaches, now the whole offseason, instead of just trying to build on what you had to go, you're relearning again and kind of starting over again. For a player, it's a damning thing, and I think a lot of people don't really think about. I think um, one of the things the listeners are trying to figure out is, was it as simple as you're saying, okay, the head coach, he stayed, they changed. What is this? Is it as simple as, hey, they had two strong coordinators, and that took them to the Super Bowl. They got two coordinators that are more veteran, have a little bit more, you know, oomph behind them. They had two guys who really didn't have a lot of experience. Desai had been a coordinator once, but is that essential enough that, okay, they can get this back straight? There's nothing simple about about what went on. For, to, for again, being a lead in the Super Bowl to, to falling off the way they did. And it's never one thing, right? As I mentioned, you, you give up players in the back half, and then you have injuries in the back half. So that's going to play a role. You're not executing the way you did. That's going to play a role. You change coordinators. That's going to play the role. No matter even if a system is close to the same, how does that coordinator call plays, right? But you did lose both your coordinators. It does tell you how important coordinators are. Unless the head coach is calling the plays on one side of the ball, whatever their particular you know, uh, side of the ball is, they are the CEO and they delegate that authority to the coordinator. So it does show you how, what, what Steichen and what Gannon meant to that team before they left. So yeah, there are, there are, uh, there's a lot of things you throw into a pot when this happens. So, uh, the Super Bowl, of course, you can listen right here on 97.3 ESPN. You'll are hear you Mike. amazed that Mahomes and Reed are here again and that it, doesn't seem that it will end anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> and the thing about it is, is I equate them this year to Tampa Bay when Tom went there. The year Tom won the Super Bowl, they don't get to the Super Bowl without Tampa Bay's defense playing the way they did. And this Kansas City defense has been money as of late. I think this is a defensive Super Bowl. I think both these defenses. Now, San Francisco has been a little more susceptible against a run in the postseason, as opposed a lot more actually, as opposed to the regular season. But I think these. I, I think the old adage, "Defense wins championships," comes into play in this well, game. It's interesting you say that because I, I really feel like in the case of the Niners, it seemed like the Lions really started to put out a little bit of a, a formula, a blueprint, if you will, maybe that was working to rattle Purdy in the first half. Did you see things in the last two playoff games for the Niners? Because they didn't exactly play their best ball against the no. Packers or the Lions that you expect the, the Chiefs to take advantage of. I, I called the Packers game. I, I was in the booth for that one, and, and Purdy was just flat out off, mm-hmm. flat out missing receivers, whether it was the 19 days off of not playing in Week 18 and rust for a young player, whether it was it was raining and it was slick and we get into the small hands conversation where the ball was slipping out of his hand, whatever and, and then the first half of Detroit, he's 7 of 15 for 93 yards before he goes off in the second half. So he was inconsistent, been inconsistent in the playoffs. But that's why their, their roster, top to bottom, is the deepest in the NFL. They have ways to make up for it, which they can do. Uh, but I, uh, as, as I talked to players this week for Westwood One, Fred Warner was one of them, the all-pro middle linebacker. And I asked him about the rush defense. He said, listen, that's on us. That's on execution. You know, that's as simple as if I'm a three-technique D-tackle, I got the B-gap. If you're the other D-tackle and a one-technique, you got the A-gap. Linebackers are filling and filling the other gaps. D-ends are taking their gaps. Fill your gap. 
If I and, and that's what Fred said. We had we had players, different players at times, not in their gap. Now you have two defensive players in one gap. What do you got a hole? They're now they're not getting touched till the next level. Take care of your responsibility and then get to the ball if the ball breaks and get there. That's what defense is. There's X's and O's. They're taking care of your responsibility, and then there's the want to as well. How much, uh, you know, Andy is obviously this is uh, old hat for him now. Yeah. It's funny to say because, you know, he kept <laughs> coming up short, coming up short. Now it's like, but, you know, Kyle in Atlanta, everybody keeps remembering that moment for him. How big is this game for him as the head coach? I think the most pressure in this game is on Lynch and Kyle. We talk, or I've talked about, and I will continue, that they have the deepest roster in the NFL. For John Lynch, the biggest stain right now is the fact that the, not only they drafted Trey Lance, mm. but gave up assets for him. That one stings, right? Mm. But look what he's done, including trading for Christian McCaffrey. And so to have the best roster and not close the deal. I know there can only be one team at the top, but they've made some great selections free agency, draft picks, trades to where they are the deepest team in the NFL. You've got to be able to close that out. Do you know that this was the most amazing stat to me? Before Christian McCaffrey got there in 22, Kyle Shanahan had a losing record. He was 46 and 48. I never would have thought that. And now McCaffrey scored a touchdown in every single game 17 games. I mean, it's ridiculous ridiculous what he has done. And I love the father-son thing. That that uh, Mike Shanahan and Ed McCaffrey won a couple of Super Bowls together, and now you got the kids yeah. looking to win the Super Bowl. It's pretty it. cool. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to the Super Bowl Westwood One's coverage on Super Sunday here on ninety seven three ESPN. Begins at five o'clock. Mike Golick is part of an All Star crew. Kevin Harlan, Laura Oakman on the sideline. Kurt Warner will be the analyst along with Mike on the field, and uh, you can hear it all right here on ninety seven three ESPN. And of course, we're at Vegas. So if you lost more money in AC or Vegas? Uh, Vegas, because uh, in AC, I was never there for a week. Had I been there for a week, I probably would. I will say, because uh, she's traveling back now, so she's in a plane, so she can't hear, my wife lost more money than me. Okay, she cost me more money. I, I will say, and, and we're at Ocean in Atlantic City every Monday. Beautiful place. The square footage of these... Rooms are outrageous. Yeah. yeah, they are. It's unnecessary. Very unnecessary. <laughs> Very unnecessary. <laughs> Very unnecessary. But how do oh, they? But you know how they get the money to build all these big rooms? Yeah, yeah, I can tell. Yeah, I can yeah, tell. I could put a plaque with my name on it. Oh my <laughs> god! Just, just to walk here yeah. was, was something else. Uh-huh. Mike Golick, everybody, good to see you. you too. Yeah. And uh, you can hear him on Super Sunday here on ninety-seven three ESPN. We'll be back with plenty more. Thanks to Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine and Clark's Moving and Storage. It's the live from Man. Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Thanks to Mike Golick. You'll hear the Super Bowl right here on 97.3 ESPN. Good to catch up with Mike Golick. Thanks for the text messages. A couple texts coming in. Hearing Golick on the air is awesome. One of the best in the business. Thanks for the text. Yeah, listening to Golick uh, talk about what happened with the Eagles right. and the game. You know, he talked about when you are a professional and having that doubt, that's the worst thing that can happen. Is and, the doubt sets in, and it's hard to get get it back. And it continues to be one of the hot topics here among Radio Row is what happened to the Eagles. 
Will they be able to overcome that next year and recover? Yeah. Um, so thanks to Mike Golick and, of course, our conversation this hour brought to you by Clark's Moving and Storage. So, Scott, uh, you've had a chance to kind of wander around the building as well. So uh, anything uh, kind of standing out to you? We've been doing this together for a couple of years now, but this one seems to just uh, – it's been a very interesting day so far. Now, I mean, the Sixers trade kind of weaved its way in, and it, I literally just got stopped. I was walking um, one, during one of the breaks, and I was walking, and somebody grabbed me and said, what are the Sixers doing? I mean, the Sixers trade has been a story. The Eagles have been a story. There's a lot of Eagles out here. Uh, Devontae Smith, Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata, Fletcher Cox, right. uh, Britton Covey, who we'll have on tonight at 5 o'clock. Uh, it, it, so a lot of Eagles, a lot of storylines out here. Yeah, there are. And, and um, you know, and even former Eagles. I mean, Mike Vick was around. Deshaun Jackson was around. Um, you know, yesterday we talked to Fletcher Cox. Yeah, I, you know, the, and the buzz is building around here for the game as it gets closer. I think we started noticing that. We got off the air yesterday oh. uh, and walked upstairs. And suddenly avalanche. it was a, a pack of people, yeah. just a herd everywhere. And, Definitely. Uh, we got here. We landed Tuesday. Tuesday night, it was pretty empty. Right. Pretty empty. Last night, it was buzzing. This right. town is starting to fill up, and I don't know. Do you see more Chiefs or, or uh, 49ers? I feel like I see more Niners, but if you're the Chiefs, you've been here. Uh, and I would expect, to, you know, today's the day, everybody, like the fans start coming in, right? Because it's Thursday, then you got all day Friday and the weekend to enjoy before the game Sunday evening. Um so it'll be interesting to see. We did see our uh, one fan in a Nick Foles jersey walking the halls yesterday. Uh, you know, Nick well, Foles. <laughs> this this is the place to go for uh, former you know Super Bowl legends, and Nick Foles would fall into Super Bowl legend category, right? Uh, among Eagle fans, why not? I mean, led them to their only Super Bowl, the Philly Special. Uh, we've seen Joe Montana out here earlier today. Um, the Rock, as you, we talked about, the Rock and Jordan Mailata met. Uh, you know, if we can get Jordan at some point, that'd be fun to inter- hear what that interaction was about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I just feel like the the buzz is building. The uh, you've called it and said the Thursday tends to be the A list day. It looks like it has been that. Well, I'll tell you what, and, and this, you know, just just in life. Deion Sanders and The Rock in the same room. Yeah. Like, the, the the energy is palpable of, like, these two personalities in the same spot together. Not to mention, I mean, you know, those two names are so big and so recognizable. They're standing five feet from you. But, like, you can almost, like, feel, like, this aura around, like, you know, primetime is walking through here. And the guy is just so charismatic. But, you know, just other things. Like, Billy was interviewing Kellen Winslow for the locker room that you're going to hear this weekend. The guy is possibly the greatest tight end that ever played the game. Like, that's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. It like, is. all the players who ever played this game. Yeah, it is. And you see some of these guys, um, these Hall of Famers are so proud, right? And they should be. They're wearing the gold jackets. They're wearing the gold jackets. As they around. walk by you. And um, so, yeah, you just feel that energy. And you see every table's occupied. Everybody here at Radio Row is, is doing their shows. And, and everything's going. And it's... Uh, it's just fun to experience, and we try to bring that energy back through the air to, to everybody back home yeah. um, and, and get good stories along the way, which I think we've done so far. Well, like Kellen Winslow, for instance, probably the greatest top three tight end probably of all time. He is a 1980s all-decade team member. Uh-huh. Willie Rofe is here. Willie Rofe, who Schwamm didn't even know who he was, all right? <laughs> the guy might be the greatest left tackle of all time. He is an all-decade player for both the 90s and the 2000s. 
he may be the greatest left tackle that ever played the game. That's like the 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 intriguing part where you're just sitting in this kind of room and you're and this much talent well, amassed. Do you remember the commercial? I think it was like two years ago. The for the 100th dinner, it was a dinner. All the Hall of Famers are there. The ball gets loose. And they start throwing the ball around, and it's it's all the it's all the whole the top one hundred player, right? Yeah. And and that's what it's like here. I mean, all those guys that were in that commercial have been. I mean, Emmett Smith has been in here. Um, they're all in here, and and you're you're around them. Dan, Dan Marino, Marino was in here. Jerry Rice, day. sure, yeah. So, um, it is always cool and fun to bring you guys the sights and sounds. I mean, we had so many people texting in, like you know, uh, like how you know, I've friends of mine. Hey, what do you see in Vegas? And I said. Honestly, I haven't left this building. Like, I have no idea what that Vegas Strip looks like because I haven't seen it. No joke. Like, we drove in. We made a left on Vegas Avenue and then a quick right. I never saw the Strip. I don't know what it looks like. We have been in this building just nonstop. And well, you didn't even know until you looked out the hotel window this morning with the daylight out there that there's a Sphinx on the outside of the hotel. Right. So to give you a little, you know, that, that uh, little... Uh, I guess if you've been to Vegas, and the Sphinx is right there uh, for man, what's that? Uh, Luxor, and the Luxor, uh, which is where we're staying. So, all right, Sports Pass Live, ninety-seven three ESPN, the ninety-seven three ESPN free mobile app. Uh, Sixers, bunch of trades. That has been a big story. Uh, they've added Buddy Heald um, to the team and traded away Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris, um, J- Jalen Springer is now in Boston. Pat Beverly is now in Milwaukee. Marcus Morris, I think, is <laughs> I think he got traded again, right? So he got traded from Philly to Indiana, from Indiana to the Spurs. And then the Spurs, I guess, are planning to release him. So a lot there. We had Austin Krell on earlier. Coming up on the other side, we're scheduled to be joined uh, by Eagles wide receiver and punt returner Britton Covey. And uh, stick around for that. And then Kenny May is scheduled to join us. Uh, after that, and that should be a fun way to kind of end the show. Sure. Kenny, guys, remember Kenny from Sports Center. Um, you'll hear about his event out here and more here on the Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN. Our conversations here on Radio Row, they're brought to you by Clark's Moving and Storage. If you have a big move coming up, you got to get out of the old house and into the new. Check out my friends at Clark's Moving and Storage. They are the best. They moved me. They can move you. When I left Ventnor to head over to EHT, they moved my whole place. Didn't have to pick up a thing. It was outstanding. I recommend it highly. When we come back, Eagles wide receiver and punt returner Britton Covey right here on the Sports Bash. It's it's the Sports Bash, live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. It's the final hour of today's show, live on Radio Row at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Holy moly, this hour, we've got a couple things lined up for you. We're actually uh, efforting to see, well, we can see the size of Jordan Maialata. We're oh, hoping yeah. that he can spend a couple minutes with us over here and uh, get a chance to talk to Big Jordan Maialata, uh hopefully this hour. So what, what everybody at, at home doesn't understand is, so you have these athletes or celebrities, and there are these handlers that kind of manage their schedules. And what we do is we have to try to get in with those people who are managing the schedule to get us the player. And uh, it, it's, it's almost like a little bit of a chaotic scene when you do that. 
Uh, and that's what we're doing. We're, we're touching base with these guys, trying to bring you the people we want. We know you want to hear from. Uh, um, and that's what that's what we're trying to do here. And and, uh, and, and that's what I'm trying to do with Jordan Mylotta, um, <laughs> which has been just a push and pull ever so since you I saw him on the plane. So you now have to do Billy's job, too? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. So a lot of um, stuff going on today. Sixers have made a bunch of trades. If you're just jumping in your car, getting home from work on the drive home, uh, the Sixers have traded uh, multiple trades today, four trades in all. And in return, uh, they have uh, Buddy Heald uh, is now here. Uh, they traded uh, and Cameron Payne is also here. So two players in and four players out. Uh, Pat Beverly, Marcus Morris, Jalen Springer, and Daniel House. They have all been traded along with a bunch of picks. So the Sixers... I mean, realistically, did they get better? Who the heck knows? No Joel Embiid. It's almost like I hate to say who the heck cares, but uh, when we had Austin Krell, our Sixers insider, on earlier today, so we changed tables. <laughs> uh, we had a little mix-up in the tables there. Um, I caught it, though. I caught it. Uh, Britain. Uh, Britton Covey's going to join us here in just a second uh, on the Sports Bash. Billy, are you ready? Can you get the water? <laughs> uh, all right, Britton, you can uh, jump on that one there. And we'll have Britton Covey on here in just a second uh, as we get ready for this 5 o'clock hour. It's been a whirlwind of the day. Welcome. Hold on one sec. Try that again. Uh, how about that one? Hello, hello. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There we go. All right. Yeah. Live radio. Here exactly. We go. This is pretty chaotic oh, you, in here, I guess. It's pretty say. chaotic. I was going to say, your initial reaction. Now, last year, you were, didn't have to deal with any of this. You guys were here. Right. Well, still, though, that there was it was more like a performance than a game almost. There was so much more media than I was any of us were used to, really. In the preparation for yeah. the week. Mm-hmm. So every day you guys kind of had it your availabilities and stuff right and, and they were completely different from what you're doing yes like this. yes and they were they were from like every country too i would get and then once they heard i spoke spanish i had to do 50 spanish interviews <laughs> so, last year so on that note are you going to be like the tour guide in brazil next year <laughs> yeah, well that's portuguese oh that's so, right that's right but i'll i'll be able to understand it gonna get your yeah. rosetta stone and start working on exactly. that exactly <laughs> Uh, so Brent Covey's with us here for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and as you mentioned, you guys were here last year, yep. uh, not this year. Everybody mm-hmm. keeps asking the question. We had Fletcher on earlier uh, and kind of he actually said it saddens him to think about, like, what happened. I know. Like, so if I was to say now a month has kind of passed and you were 10 and 1 and now you're talking to us schmucks, <laughs> what would be in your mind the the, 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 the most profound reason – of it yeah. all just kind of falling down to where it did. Hmm. Hmm. I, I would say you have to separate it into offense and defense first mm-hmm. because as a general team, I feel like it wasn't – you couldn't pinpoint a reason. Defense, I really do think the coordinator change was, was really tough on the guys. Just talking to the guys in the locker room, different scheme completely, you know, and, and things like that. That's tough, and, and I think it's – it's a learning experience. When everything's going well, it doesn't just, you know, solve problems. It kind of masks problems at times, right? And you got to learn how to not let that happen. I actually think Coach Sirianni does a really good job of that in wins, being like, hey, yeah, we won, but look at this. This is what we got to fix. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting uh, place to go, right? Yeah, because yeah. everybody, you know, fans always overreact. 
Oh, totally. It's, and, it's and the so, nature of... Right. So yeah. after all that happened in the second half of the season, there were people who didn't want it, But almost every single player, like yourself, you just yeah. said, has Nick's back once, you know, yes. and so was... What is he doing? Take us behind okay. the scenes. Yeah. What does he do in meeting rooms? What does he do that you guys love so much? Right. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't know what... I know that he gets asked certain questions, and it's it's hard to really tell, you know, what exactly your role is. I saw that question that was asked him. Like, what's your role as a head coach? It's like, are you serious? What's his role as a head coach? <laughs> like, he does everything. You know, he's involved in every little thing. You have to be a great communicator, which he is. He's a good, that that's honestly one of his strong suits. He's a great communicator. People talk about it's funny. Like when we're winning, how emotional he is is a good thing. When we're losing, he's too emotional. No, he's authentic to him, which I really like. That's the same reason why I think Jalen's a great leader. Yes, he is a little more quiet, but he's authentic to him. Mm-hmm. I've had players and quarterbacks who try and be something they're not, and it just rings hollow. Right? I've had coaches like that too. Nick's a great delegator. He really is a good delegator. He's really smart offensively. Like he's an g- unbelievable receivers coach, actually, because that's what he started as. He, yeah, he is very detailed as a receivers coach. I've always thought this because I'm similar to this. When you can't rely as a player on just your body, you are very detailed and very good at stuff like that. That's kind of how I've been in my career. I don't have AJ Brown's body type. <laughs> you know what I mean, AJ can go out there and run kind of a wrong route and still get the ball because of, you know, just his physical abilities. Uh, I Sirianni was like that as a player too, right? And so he was very meticulous and detailed, and that's kind of carried over as a coach. He he doesn't let things slide. Now, you were talking about on the defensive side that the yeah, yeah. coordinator thing definitely could have been yeah. a factor. That, that, that seems obvious. Now, the offense is interesting because obviously mm-hmm. Kellen's here now. But we were talking about before Kellen got hired. If you said to any coordinator in football, hey, here's your roster, would you like this job? Everyone would say, yeah. So why Uh do you feel or do you feel that the offense never felt fluid? Yes, I do. I do. And and I love Brian Johnson. I mean, he went to Utah. He was my my (laughs) alma mater, right? And. And I don't think it's it's fair to pin. He was all, great there, by the way. Oh yeah. yeah, on the cover of the NCAA football game. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to pin all the blame on him. It, you know, you pin it just as much on a lot of us. And sorry, I see T.J. Edwards back there. <laughs> hey, <laughs> remember T.J.? Yeah, man. Um, he helped. He would have helped. Gosh, yeah, he would have yeah. helped. I'll tell you. But uh, it's so we were talking about the offense. Sorry, it's tough to pinpoint, but. I'll tell you, one thing that is really difficult as a coordinator is to manage having weapons and to know. The 49ers do a really good job of it, for example, because if you were to compare just offensive weapons, you could put the 49ers next to the Eagles and say, pick pick which one. And you'd The week of that game, Britton, I was saying, okay, they've got um, Debo and Ayuk, and, and you've got, got Brown and Smith. Smith. It's just which flavor do you like a little bit better? Your mm-hmm. offensive line, probably better than uh-huh. their offensive line. Yep. They've got McCaffrey, who's a different weapon, but Swift is a very, right. I mean, it's not Kittle, like. Goddard. Kittle Goddard. And I said, so why exactly. is their offense so fluid and dynamic in this one? And, and honestly, it is learning how to manage all of those different talents. It's a lot harder than it looks. People think it's so easy because one game we throw it to AJ or six-game stretch and he has 125-plus <laughs> yards. That's right. And it's like, let's just keep doing that. And then teams start keying on it. And it's like, why aren't we just running the ball with Swift? We've got Swift. It's a lot harder than it looks. And I think that sometimes it, learning how to manage not just that but also – 
who wants the ball? <laughs> you know, that's going to be difficult. And this year I'm excited because Kellen uses a lot of motion. I definitely think we could have used a lot more motion last year um, because teams play unique defenses against Did us. Did you use less motion this year than you did the year no, before? No, we didn't. But teams didn't know us the year before. Okay. Teams but that's adjust. a good explanation because some people would say, well, they're near the bottom of the well, league exactly. in motion. But so were they the year before and you got to the Super Bowl. This whole thing to me is about learning how to adjust without overreacting. Mm-hmm. You adjust and you change things without drastic changes that are really going to mess up everything. That's what you have to do when you lose. And that's the thing is, honestly, our offense last year was not much different, if at all, than the year before. Same but terminology? Same terminology, same plays, same play designs. But teams played us differently because they had a whole year to scout it. They, they knew all these things. They saying, okay, we're going to make this person beat us rather than A.J. Brown. Well, this is How amazing about, insight, Bob. Well, yeah. Sure. And you mentioned, uh, you referenced Kellen Moore before. Just out of curiosity, um, I know I, you said you're excited to, to, to yeah, see yeah. his offense and, and put it into into use. Have you guys communicated at all with him yet or heard from him yet? And uh-huh. uh, how is that, you know, already starting yeah. to form? I don't know if other people have. I have. I, I've gotten a call from him, which is really cool. I think it, it means a lot. And um, I, for me, obviously, he uses the slot a lot, yeah. which is really cool. And I don't know what my role will be. You know, I, I don't want to speculate anything. And I just take my role and I own it. And I try and grow it. That's all you. If if everyone on the team acts like that, you're gonna have a great team. Well, you're and right? you talk about your role. I mean, yeah. Look at what you did. Uh, I mean, it's the success you guys had early in the year was due in part to what you were doing, returning the ball on punts. Yeah. It, How much things. are you dedicating your time um, to obviously even trying to get better at that? Right. No, I mean, I, I watch. Honestly, last year I didn't want to step on any toes because I'm a rookie. Right. This year, I took a lot more active approach. Every game before, I get about three film clips per person on my punt return unit, and I show them in the locker room. I say, hey, look, this is what your guy's doing this week. These are his tendencies. When he has his back foot backs here, he's trying to release outside. When he has his back foot up here, he's trying to release this side. And I really feel like we all kind of bought into that, and obviously you saw results. And even, even more than just the return yards, once you have a few good returns, teams stop punting to you the same way. So, like, I had more fair catches at the end of the season because teams will punt it shorter. And I count those yards in my mind that are hidden. That, right. You know? You're lined up 50 yards waiting, and exactly. instead you have to cut six, to 40, seven yards. Rather right. than them punting at 60 yards. Yeah. And so, um, anyways, this there was a lot of things last year that went wrong, but I think it's learning how to change after losses. Um, Brittany Covey is our guest here, and, and uh, we – like you, you're, I've been very candid, which is unbelievable. Like to hear the terminology never changed. So, at towards the end, when the team just was struggling so yeah. much, and people are saying, "Well, what's up with the blitz pickup or the short hot route?" Yeah. Like, were you guys one? Like, was it play design, play call, or just breakdowns that that was such a yeah. seemingly an issue? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough question because, like you said. <laughs> It's not like we went out there without hot routes and without blitz checks right. and things it, like that. It almost sounds preposterous it, no, to we, think no, that that's the case. Yeah, if people think that, like, we did. Um, but I almost think you can get so focused on it that you overcomplicate something, right? Um, I'm. What's hard about this is I can analyze, but it, it's so much more difficult to fix than people know. I, I'm not a coordinator. That's why I will sing... 
so much like I advocate for Coach Sirianni. That's the same thing that I did with Coach Clay last year. A lot of people didn't want Coach Clay back, and I'm and I'm just like people don't understand like that. Coach Clay, you have to give people some time. You can't make drastic changes in every department. Um, you need to make some changes for sure, and we did this year, mm-hmm. right? Um, but sometimes the big flashy change isn't always the best. I did, and I think people were excited for Brian and excited yeah. about Brian yeah. and thought, but the fact that he didn't really, like that's not his offense. No, it's not. Oh. It's Coach Sirianni's offense. Right, and, and somebody said before, like, hey, it's like going to a restaurant and ordering off of someone else's right. menu when you're the cook and say, yeah. here, and, and, and I'll cook his meal for you. Uh, and, and that's why I can't, it, it is difficult. But, but do you feel funny? like after Shane that maybe having someone a little, that had more experience may have been better? I do, um, simply for the fact that, um, yeah, think about this. We ran the same offense in our Super Bowl year. So Nick Sirianni's offense was it's not that wasn't the problem. The problem was adjusting to yeah. how teams played us. All right, uh Britton Covey's with us and uh all right, I'm gonna try to pronounce this. Omorpho. Omorpho, yes. Omorpho. Yeah. Uh tell us about that because this thing here uh is pretty heavy duty. Yeah, it's pretty heavy duty and heavy if you want to feel it. Yeah. So Ooh, yeah. this is a weighted vest. So oh. this is a company I've been with for a oh, few wow. years. Oh wow, this is all awesome. right. High quality. Holy <laughs> man. Yeah, right. So so this is a company where it basically takes see all those mini weights along that vest. Yeah. And it microloads your muscles. So they've got vests, they've got shirts, shorts, pants, and you wear it while you train. And it's the best thing because rather than just lifting in the weight room and hoping it translates to the field, you can wear this while you tra- you could literally wear this during like a couple of my teammates wore stuff like this during practice. Like Darius Slay was wearing this during practice one one week because it helps you work the exact muscles that you'll be using. Wow. It's really cool, especially for a guy like me who's a little smaller. Like, it's it helps with uh, – I haven't missed a game in my career, and I credit a lot of it to – You're not the biggest guy either. Exactly. I credit <laughs> a lot of it to this building the actual muscles that I need rather yeah. than just like, oh, bench, whatever. I got one quick one for you. Yeah. Because there was a little bit of controversy that stirred up that you that you replied to on social media. Right. And while we have you, I wanted your words, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. All about the whole Jalen Hurts thing, which – was totally taken out of context, oh, correct? Yeah. Kind of talk about that and just yeah. what you and clear it up. Well, it can, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here. Even I think, you know, all this talk about Philly media and it, like I don't want that's not my goal. But right. it, it, it is frustrating when your words get taken out of context. I have people ask me questions that lead me somewhere, and then they don't include the question in the article or correct. Whatever you know, it's tough to navigate. Um, and what's funny is. If anyone actually reads the real quotes of that, it's my glowing endorsement for what a great leader Jalen is. And because he's so authentic, you know, and that's what's frustrating. And Jalen, like I said, when we were winning, Jalen's attitude was the reason. And then when we were losing, Jalen's attitude was, you know, it's like it doesn't make any sense. And so Jalen has the support of literally everyone in the locker room. There's not a single person. If you were to ask anyone, like, (laughs) we would all laugh because Uh it's just preposterous. Jalen Hurts is so respected in the locker room and across the whole league, and he's a great friend. Like, Jalen, literally, I love sitting by Jalen on the flights because I (laughs) laugh the whole time. What does he do? He's just, he loves to be in conversation about random things. I don't know. He's just, (laughs) he's just a really good friend. Cool. Well, 
Uh, this has been awesome. Uh, we yeah. appreciate it, and uh, we wish you luck next season. And, of course, the Eagle fans, you know, they're a little intense sometimes. Yeah. But they're well, always pulling you. for you guys. Try we not to, to put you. any quotes <laughs> online that, that are very flashy and make people hate me. You know, so. no. We hope to see you not here doing this in New Orleans next year. But I agree. Up in those uh, mandatory interviews. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. You Have got fun it. in Brazil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah awesome. Uh, Britton Covey, everybody, and uh, we appreciate his time here on the Sports Bash. All right, when we come back, we'll uh, talk to Kenny Main, ESPN Sports Center. That's next. That was Britton Covey. That was awesome. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And that was brought to you by Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. It's the Sports Bash, live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, Atlantic City. Of course, we're in Vegas on Radio Row. We are live on the radio in Atlantic City. Kenny Main is with us here, and the first thing he asked us was, what time was this airing? It's airing now. Great point. (laughs) <laughs> the reason I asked was because now, in reality, is not now. It's a different time that happened already. That's right. It's already in the I, past. I have an event now coming up soon <laughs> in Las Vegas, but probably this is too late notice for anyone. I'm just, you're out. You don't get to do it. Sorry, but we're going to tell you about it. So you guys saw me wearing, I got this device on my leg. So I played football at UNLV. I didn't play that much. But I broke my leg severely as a junior, played one more year, and years go by. You know, I won't give you all the boring details. A lot of surgeries, a lot of pins, a lot of plates, and a lot of arthritis, and then bone on bone. And my ankle, you know, your ankle's supposed to, like, flop like your talus, I think it's called. Mine goes about like this. doesn't move. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> can't really do much athletically unless I have some support. So I found this great therapist. He kind of brought my leg back to life. And then I found this guy in Gig Harbor, Washington, which is by Tacoma. And he makes these things called an exosim, which I'm wearing. goes, like, way up to your knee. It looks like you have a knee problem, but it's actually the ankle. So it takes all the pressure off your joint, and then you can do things. I can run. I can play golf. I can take hikes with Gretchen. I can, you know, pretty much do it. Flag football. Can I get, can I get, I get one of those for Joel and Beat? Uh, yeah. Anybody who needs it. I, I've always been predicting that there's going to be a time where there's a big football game, a playoff game, and some guy with a horrible ankle sprain or whatever <laughs> goes to my guy overnight, gets the brace, and can play. Like it's, That's they, awesome. Other people wear devices, right? You see knee braces and all that. So what What was the event that we all missed? It's still coming up, but you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't what get is- the show. So we started a foundation for veterans. So I... Raise money, and then I buy a brace, and the next veteran in line gets a brace. Awesome. That is cool. That yeah. is cool. They actually like to call it a device because a brace is insulting to the maker, right? You can get a brace at Costco. Uh, this is a device. <laughs> so it's, it's $9,000. Wow. Which sounds like a lot, and it sounds like a little. You know what I mean? Like if you had another surgery, right, it's going to be more than that probably, and there's rehab and drugs and everything else. So this doesn't fix anything, to be clear. It's not like a, a treatment. It's just a, it's just an assist. It lets you do stuff that you can't do otherwise. We've had so many amazing stories. One woman got back in the employment, got her employment back. She got a job two weeks later. Another one threw away her wheelchair. Another one got wrote and said, I got to walk on the park with my daughter. Like that to him was a victory, right? And, and it is. So to, about an hour from now, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Montana is helping out. 
So I've you asked me if I had friends with money. What would you need their money for? Fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. So this is now. Is anybody listening? <laughs> no, 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 not 15- no, 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 not anybody listening. But anybody walking around right now as we, or anybody you call in five minutes. So on our website, which is runfreely.org, R-U-N-F-R-E-E-L-Y, runfreely.org, there's a little thing advertised. It says the Joe Montana Experience or whatever it says, and people click right there, put in their money. Send them an email, thank you, and then we know who they are now. We contact them and say, meet us at noon. And Joe's going to throw each person a ball. But he's, he's going to be like a Roger Craig check down circle route. You know, just <laughs> we're talking eight or ten yards. You know, we're not going to break anything. Nobody gets hurt. And they get to keep the ball. And they get to meet Joe Montana. And where was this oh, event? And guess what? They also save a veteran's life. The, the, the 12 people who show up, it's going to be like seven. People and one might have their father come or whatever or a friend. Um, they are going to by coming together and Joe lending his name and his arm. Like we get on Friday to then call the next vet. Guess what? Joe Montana just got you a device. There you go. Like that's, that's awesome. That's a pretty good week. Yeah, that, that sums it up all perfectly. Finishing and, off with the Joe Montana pass. Yeah, and you know what's really cool is I got interviewed by these two guys. I've already lost their names. They're on my phone somewhere, and. I forget where they were with, but it was like, a, you know, they're doing a little podcast thing, and we we're just standing and talking. And I, so at the end, they asked me football questions. I say, hey, can I say one more thing? And they didn't, they didn't know, and they didn't plan on this. And I told them this whole story I just told you. I did it. Did the fa- event had happened? No, nope, it had not event? happened. <laughs> it had not happened. I, I told them the whole story in brief. And the one guy's like, I'm an Air Force veteran. And the other guy's like, yeah, and he's got a messed up leg. He's always limping around. Like, he's coming to the event. So... The reason he's coming is my nephew and his friends said, give it to somebody who deserves it. And I decided that guy deserves it. There you go. That and, is great. And he'll be on our list potentially if, if the medical, you know, because it, it doesn't work for everybody. It works for those that Ryan, the guy in charge, he looks at the charts and he looks at the x-rays and they do a test. And most people, if you've got a ruined ankle, it will work for it. But I'm sure there are some exceptions. You know, I just noticed something really odd as we're having this conversation. I was in the bathroom about an hour ago. Washing my hands when the East Coast chime change. Uh, you were there. Hit me. I saw that. You almost fell into the sink. And I said, <laughs> as I looked in the mirror, man, this time change really just caught me right now. And I realized you were the guy standing next to me that looked at me like, what <laughs> is wrong with this guy? I was, it just hit me. I was two to your right. You were here. There was some other guy here, and I was two to your right. I remember the incident. <laughs> Did yeah. you notice it was me as you sat there? Because I just noticed no. it. As we're having this conversation, I, I said, didn't Wait know a it second. until you said it was you. But I remember that happening. There was some guy <laughs> He's thinking who over. felt like he needed to tell everybody, "Wow, I'm so tired uh, now." It just was like Although, overwhelming. This thought is of- funny. Sometimes, and I'm sorry I didn't give you more response there. And whatever <laughs> you were looking for, because um, uh. like last night, which is actually two nights ago now, <laughs> I was eating dinner and the alarm went off, and all of the voices like. Attention, attention. <laughs> we are investigating a reported blah, blah, blah. We will tell you a further advisement. Uh, and, it, and so the siren's going crazy. And I said something to the table next to us like, wow, that was crazy or something like that. And they just looked at me like, just shut up. Just like, 
Don't talk. We don't want to talk about. We want no engagement yeah, here. None. Yeah, none. I wasn't looking for engagement. It I seemed just like it. Felt tired. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it felt like? This guy would like a reaction. Yeah, he wanted something. He wanted some. Yeah, boy, oh, it sure man. is tiring. I'll tell you. Well, you know, it, it, we're in Atlantic City yesterday, and it's like almost nine o'clock for us. Well, the first day. When did you get here? Yesterday. Yeah, that's which day is that? That's how two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Two days ago. No, I hear you. The first day. My problem is when I would when I was young. I'm old now, so I I need more sleep. Some I'll go some places. Last time I went to Vegas, I literally went to bed at like nine fifteen, because I'm on I'm in Connecticut. I'm on the East Coast too, and I was like, I don't really want to go lose money. I'm just watch some TV and fall asleep and have a good day tomorrow. My issue is I always wake up way too early. That's yeah, like what we the do. whole time. Too early. Today. The whole time I'm going to. That's be what happened to me. Wide so awake. Kenny, now you know why you were so tired it's, at that moment. At that moment. <laughs> I woke up at 5.30, which was really 8.30, but it was 5.30, and now it's, you realize, 5.30. I, was I just can't believe you announced to a bunch of people in the bathroom that you yeah. were that tired. Yeah. I originally was going to do that table. That's What table number is that one? 32. But I'm over here at 31. 31. Crazy. You must be tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, the issue was, I was talking to the San Francisco people which was live, real-time, at the time we were doing it, it was really being heard, not like this. And why are we taping, anyway? What? Because we were tired, and we just sat oh. here. Because so we just... didn't really feel like doing anything. Okay, you kind of backfilled, and you got later news that will be more relevant tomorrow. Wait a minute, why don't you just go live tomorrow? We are we tomorrow. Are. No, you're not. <laughs> now this, we are. <laughs> this is on tomorrow... Tomorrow, what, are you do the next day? Or are you always a day behind? Like stay we're a day ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you know what? Whatever works for you guys. I don't like lying to the audience. I like to tell the audience the truth. It works for me. I, so speaking of the truth, I, I was looking through and I saw some stuff you've done ear, earlier today around here. What is that book? Uh, this Eric is uh, Kramer. Eric Kramer's book. Oh. He was here earlier. Oh, nice. You know, Eric Kramer uh, was yeah. the last Lions quarterback to win a playoff game. Until I, I, I can't say I know the story though. No, it's... it was riveting. We had him on two days wow. ago. <laughs> well, what's today now? We had him on Wednesday. Nothing matters. <laughs> As we are talking on Wednesday, but airing on Thursday, we had him on Wednesday, mm -hmm. and Remember, he told us um, the story. What's the? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting a more serious thing. But go ahead. Uh, yeah, the story is riveting. I was going to do a Stephen Wright joke. Oh, it seemed inappropriate. <laughs> but no, we can give this the proper reverence. Stephen Wright said I put popcorn in a microwave oven, and I almost went back in time. <laughs> okay. But I did not. This is a very serious titling on this book from Eric Kramer with William Croyle. But he talks about a suicide attempt, oh, yeah. depression. Yeah, it was interesting. He went Man. through a lot of a lot of stuff at the same time. And you the... and you really interviewed him about. His... Oh yeah. I hope he's well. Yeah, he, he is. He is. He's doing well now. Good. The uh, Lions' uh, success has helped. Yes. That's, yeah, that's awesome. I did a, an interview earlier with a channel that is solely devoted to prevention of suicide. They, a bunch of guys, I think they'd all done different things in their lives. They all got together. Let's, you know, they're gonna they're doing it as a as a enterprise, right? right. They're gonna get sponsors and, and, but the whole thing is talking about your feelings, essentially, right? Like men. Historic American yeah. men, particularly, there's this macho, especially a football player like him. You know, you can't be vulnerable. You can't talk about your problems. Like, but I think it was really cool that so many prominent athletes have come out. Like Kevin Love, perfect example, right? Mm. Just 
hey, I have this thing, you know, and I'm going to say it out loud because it's going to help somebody else. So it's actually very beneficial. So Kenny Main is with us, and uh, this is very enjoyable, unplanned, and unpredicted. Well, I, and, and what I what I was going to get at before is that I was kind of look, you know, looking at some things you were talking about with people earlier on on Wednesday. How would you know? I, there's already clips. It's 2024. Okay. You have an interesting take on the Cowboys' struggles. Am I right? No, that was probably Trey. We get one time somebody called me and said, "Can you be on our radio show?" And Trey Wingo at the time was doing the women's. This is back when he would do the women's final four, like be the lead host for it. And they thought I was Trey. So they called me up, asked me about the match. Thank God I knew the matchups like I'd been doing sports centers <laughs> and I didn't come on like a totally. But, you know, and then they asked him about Dancing with the Stars. So it happens. We're both old guys with gray hair. Well, and- we have had multiple former players who had been on like the Bachelorette. Have you been on that series? No. No. But uh, wasn't there just an incident yesterday or maybe two days ago? <laughs> Where Randy Moss, yes. my friend that covers horse racing, yes. was mistaken for Randy Moss, yes. the football player. Yeah. And he, I don't know what happened in it, but I think he just acknowledged, I think he didn't mean me. But for me, I just told him, hey, I'll answer all the questions you want. <laughs> I think, you know, I knew the four teams. I think I even, you know, knew who should probably win. Like, I, I gave a viably sufficient interview. But <laughs> as Trey Wingo, the, the Randy Moss story that I had was way, when I used to cover horse racing for ESPN, I'd go to all the big events. Yeah. And one year I said, hey, Randy Moss, the football player, is going to be here because he's playing with Brady and they all come to the Derby. What if section three, you know, early races, you know, a throwaway segment, Randy Moss, the football player, sits in, comes in during commercial <laughs> and back with Randy Moss. And who do you like in the fourth race? And, and we would, you know, give him some notes. So he, unless he knows horse racing, but if he didn't, we'd, you know, help him out. And we had it all set. It was all going to happen, and then he would leave, and then the other Randy Moss would come back in, right? <laughs> Somehow, somebody thought, no, we can't do that. At some point, you have to say, this is actually Randy Moss, the football player. <laughs> I said, well, that wouldn't be funny, because what was funny was not saying that. Yeah, right. The opposite of what you guys say. So I ended up calling Randy Moss, or his agent, and said, Please don't have him come now. We're killing this. I didn't tell him why. It's just not going to work out because I didn't want to have to either do their horrible not joke or <laughs> get in trouble for not, you know what I mean? Right. Ay, ay, ay. So that's good. Um, that was just an example of the man holding me down is what that was. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> the man holding me down. But the guy who booked the wrong Randy Moss. Is that a fireable offense that you didn't know the difference? Maybe not fireable, but well, like. No, I mean, it probably in their <laughs> it's, they, read it. they said NBC sportscaster. That's, I wouldn't know about, I'm not going to be in charge of people losing jobs. There's enough cuts already. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I didn't know about that part. I thought. Like the, the, the uh, PR guy sends out the letter. Right. And it I, says uh, NBC sportscaster, horse racing analyst, Randy Moss. And then he gets booked, and then Boomer and, and Geo are left out to dry, and he he says, well, wait a second. Now, they're in Vegas. It's like 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Did they think Randy Moss, Hall of Fame wide receiver, was showing up <laughs> here at 3.30 a.m. live? They, well, they I can't even believe Randy Moss, the horse, horse, uh, horse guy, had to be up at 5.30 because <laughs> he lives in Minnesota, which Randy Moss, the football player, played for. 
And they should have won the Super Bowl. That's Let's go true. back to that. Yeah. Right? Anderson that missed team. the field goal against Atlanta. Yeah, Randall. My man Randall Cunningham just lighting it up. That was his Billick was running things. That's like right. And by the way, they should have won when he was at Philly, but they didn't they weren't quite as sophisticated with the offense as offenses are now. No. Just imagine yeah. Imagine Randall at the game today. With Andy Reid, with we, somebody. We know. grew up. It was the weirdest thing. Can I interrupt? Because yeah. I'm going to. When people argue about the best ever stuff, which I'm so tired of, I'm also really tired of elite quarterback arguments. Ranking on Purdy, because what do you expect? He's last pick. He's 24. He's just learning. He's pretty good. He's right. really good. Why are we comparing him? You know, you only get a Montana or a Brady or a Mahomes every now and then. The rest are really, really good. They're just maybe not the other well, that's guys. That's the sports but, world we but, live in. But additionally, give him a little more time. That's the other dumb part about it. But um, I don't even know what the hell my point was. It was pretty good. The point <laughs> I had to make originally was going to be awesome. Do you want to think about it? Tomorrow? No, I want it right now. <laughs> what what were we talking about before I deviated? You were um, Randall, you went to school Randall, here, right? Yeah, I played Randall. football here. That's how I brought the Told that story. I remember I, that. Asked and answered. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Suits? <laughs> I have. Asked and answered. I was thinking more like. That's why I tell him. Senate See, hearing. You know. yeah, I told him all night last night as he. Maybe had was overserved. Yes, asked and answered. And he did a bunch of things where Definitely I had to keep looking at him, and I said, asked and "That's why I'm here." Yeah, and you're down here. I like the story that I just learned at the San Francisco table. We we're talking about craps and different styles and different, you know, like stereo or not, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, superstitions. Um, the words aren't are failing me at this point. So he was saying, uh, "Are you getting they, tired?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to shake things up. So one guy stood at this end of the table, and the other guy gave him signals like a catcher. <laughs> like, and, and he did kept, it work? It did, and it didn't. They ended up getting thrown uh, off the table. Oh no! Because on the fastball, it kept hitting and flying, and they, they should have just stuck with the junk, you know. Uh, do you recommend us uh, any place to eat in this town? Yeah. What was the original question? <laughs> no, there was a point about quarterbacking that I was. Oh, Joe Montana. Thank you. Does he have a steakhouse? No, it just came up. Just came up. <laughs> So when people are comparing all this, who's the best ever and all that, a lot of people say Brady because he won all, you know, Brady was very good. I don't, I don't dispute that. However, he played in an era that was not the same era as Joe Montana. Mm. You couldn't murder the quarterback right. as you could back in those days. Brady has almost said as much. Yeah, to his credit. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not knocking Brady at all. Great. Brady's great. But they, they revolutionized the game for the benefit of the offense, protecting everybody and – Hits on receivers even, right? That, that's different. So Dave Craig, my friend from Tiny Milton College, which no longer exists, he was a very good Seahawk quarterback in the Chuck Knox era. And, in fact, for a while, the all-time, and they had a different rating system for quarterbacks back then too, the proficiency rating. And it was Otto Graham, Joe Montana, and Dave Craig for like three years. Wow. This is the all-time NFL if you, you know, the so, thing I remember about Dave Craig was everybody always said he had small hands. Smaller than others. As yes. long as you can throw, you can throw. They, they make, that, that is made too much of, I believe, also. As are many of things, 40 times. It's great to run four whatevers, but they don't stop games often to, hey, let's run a 40 now. <laughs> right. Also, fantasy football, let's just go all over the place. <laughs> Our fantasy football league in Seattle, the Greater Seattle Football League, the GSFL, which started in like 1983, <laughs> before people even knew what that was, 
and it's all these years has stayed true to its original rules. You get points when they score points in games. They don't give you points for throwing for 200 yards or running for 100 in football games. You get points if you score touchdowns, kick field goals, or kick extra points, right? So you're not a fan of present-day fantasy football? No. I'm a purist. It's it's Montana to Rice is 12-point play if you have them both. <laughs> Bingo. I have a movie for sale. Can we talk about that? I would like. Yes. Uh, the best part is this: well, <laughs> my producer is not here right now, so no one can get in my ear and say, "You know, you have to wrap up." Or why would you? Why would you do that? Oh, I probably wouldn't. But we're having so much. Fun. We're just having so much fun. What's I'm still, the mo- am I still coming to you? <laughs> still coming? All right. What's the movie? Um, it's called Wiffle Ball, and it's a 30-minute kind of comedy documentary, and it's about a day in 1989 when I threw wiffle balls with Ken Griffey Jr. And I maintained that I beat him. Like, it was a speed pitch thing at the Seattle Science Center. I found the tape, 34-year-old tape, in my basement or somewhere. The Betamax? How did it you was, get it, it to was play? A, it was a broadcast beta. Not Betamax, but it was called broadcast beta. It went from film to three-quarter right. inch tape to half-inch beta, right? And nobody has the damn machine anymore. That's right. But... Joe ran at KOMO in Seattle, Washington, had one. <laughs> so we go, big moment in the documentary is the revelation of what's on the tape, right? Because I'm talking about this tape, and I beat him, and I'm, you know, telling the story, but I have no proof. We go to Ken Burns in New Hampshire, and he gives us oh, advice. God. He's like, so, so far, you don't have Griffey, you don't have videotape, <laughs> and you don't have any still pictures. You don't have any of the central elements that you would need. <laughs> and... It was, he was awesome. He was funny. You know, we kind of, we didn't tell him what to say, but we prepped him about where we are in the film. We ended up finding out what happened. And on tape, anyway, it looks like we tied at 61. So at the end, I'm like, I apologize to Griffey. You, congratulations. You did tie me. That's great. Good job for you. <laughs> A Hall of Fame player. Um, Pearl Jam Music is in it. Head and the Heart, if you guys have heard of them. Solid Seattle band. Sam LaChow, the rapper. Ken Burns, I mentioned, the Wiffle Ball president, a University of Washington professor. This is um, a great movie. Yeah. Where well, can I find it? That's why I'm on this show selling to the movie executives who are listening right now <laughs> tomorrow today. Oh, it <laughs> needs to be produced. I can help no, you with made. that. No, it's made. No, it's done. Oh, okay. It's done. It's ready you to go. You know what the theme for my New Year's party was? Tell me. Seattle grunge. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I wore a uh, flannel shirt with a Soundgarden t-shirt. I was wearing flannel shirts in like fifth grade. Like, that's so dumb that <laughs> yeah. allegedly in 1988 or something, flannel happened. Like, that was like, it's rains and it's cold. You wear flannel. That's right. <laughs> well, it's great to catch up. Yeah. I got more to say. <laughs> well, it's 32 if they don't mind. <laughs> um, I don't mind if 32 is okay. Here's a tip. Always work the hard ways. Do you guys play craps? Yeah. yeah. Yo, 11. I, a lot of people. We're from Atlantic City. Yeah, a lot of people say on the come, you know, the first roll, hard ways are off because they want to throw a seven to win their stupid pass line bet. I'm like, pass line is 10 bucks or 20 or 25, whatever it is. I want to hit home runs. So Nick Zito, the famous horse race trainer, the year he, ever interviewed he, by Randy Moss, the yeah. football player. No, <laughs> and Nick Zito had never won the Belmont Stakes, and by the way, the Belmont Stakes this year is at Saratoga because they're, really? they're redoing the Belmont. Oh, That's pretty yeah. cool. So he had never won the Belmont, and he was kind of getting grilled at the at the drawing, the press conference for it. 
about never winning. You always finish second. You know, how disappointing. And he's like, well, second's pretty good, you know, better than third, you know, right? And then he, he paused and he says, you know what? You can't even lose if you don't enter. <laughs> so that's my philosophy in life. <laughs> there starters. you go. I got it's also you. my philosophy on the hard ways. <laughs> you got to be alive because if you say they're off and you throw it, how mad are you when you're playing hard ways but you don't play some and, they, and you walk up to the table? Yeah. The greatest craps roll in American history was in Atlantic City. Uh, yes. You can Google it. It was a lady. I think it was at the Borgata. Yeah, I think you're right. Huh. Allegedly held the dice all night, midnight to 6 a.m. or so, just some preposterous amount of time. I don't know how long it was, but people just won phenomenal. It's one of the, you know, when you see the table and everybody's going wild. You knew about this? Yeah, I, I, yeah I've heard and about you, it. And you're over playing three-card poker and losing. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Why am I not with those people? Sounds like a good documentary. I got a good <laughs> podcast. Good pot. I, it's already happening. <laughs> no, it's for real. Seriously, I got a good podcast recommendation. Okay, it happens to have happened in Las Vegas. I just heard about it from my wife. She listens to like murder podcasts while she takes nature walks. That's <laughs> really helpful. <laughs> hey, let's go for a nice walk and just let go. Um, it's called High Roller Heist. So there's a guy in Las Vegas. I think it was ten or twelve years ago. Went to the Bellagio on a motorcycle, walked in his full motorcycle gear with a helmet on, with a gun, went to the craps high table, you know, the $100 table, whatever it was, and held him up for like a million something, got out, jumped on his bike, took <laughs> off. That's Nobody found him. That's pretty preposterous. So I don't know the whole story because they've only done three episodes, but my belief is they <laughs> caught him because he blabbed his mouth to a dealer. Ah. And either, either after or before, I think it was before, like, I'm so desperate, I might just knock this place off. You know, he said something like that, and the dealer, having this happen, you know, said, hey, I think I should tell the police about this thing. There was this guy the other night, you know. So they went to the VAR and, uh, you know, called and found his face. <laughs> That's wow. <unbelievable>. Yeah. <laughs> all right, 32. Hi, Leo. But all the dealers are up. If you're... If we're still here and you're done with them and you want to resume, well, we might be here. I'm tired. Right. You, know, you know what I can say? Your event was awesome. The what? The event that you oh, had. To, the that, one in an hour from now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be great. So I've heard. Too bad people couldn't go catch a pass from Joe Montana. Next time. Boy, I hope he shows up. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Main, everybody, here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. We'll be back with plenty more on Radio Row in Vegas. It's the Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Well, that conversation went off the rails a bit. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Kenny Main, thanks to him for stopping by the show. Kind of a lighthearted conversation. You think the movie will ever get picked up? I gotta believe it will. I mean, <laughs> especially by somebody in Seattle. It's Ken Griffey Jr. for crying out loud. The wiffle ball? Yeah. Yeah, you know, everybody loves wiffle ball. Well, I'll tell you, in the middle of the conversation, it struck me that he was in fact in the bathroom next to me. Yes. That was one of your highlights of this trip, I'm sure. And his reaction was priceless. Yes, it was. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. I, I thought Brick, uh, Kobe was. Oh, excellent. Very, very, um, he was very, very good, but very, very informative. Yeah. And the terminology never changed. The, the plays never changed. He too was, he agreed that 
he thought that they should have hired a more uh, veteran coordinator. You know, not that he didn't yeah. think Brian did a good job. Just we probably did need a little bit more veteran coordinator. I thought that he said the DC change was a factor. Well, how about the fact that he said Kellen Moore has already called him uh, about the offense? And- yeah, and Andrew DeCecco we had on for football at four today, and I asked him about Kobe uh, because we are talking about what kind of receiver he would like to see the Eagles get as, like, a third guy. And he mentioned, you know, he thinks that Kobe has more, like that there's more uh, ability to utilize him. Yeah. And he cleared up uh, some of the uh, the stuff that was taken out of context regarding Jalen Hurts. In fact, said he loves to sit next to him on yeah. the plane for all the crazy stuff that Jalen does. Yeah, for the people out there who weren't aware, uh, you know, there was a uh, interview into which the interview came out that Kobe said he was kind of afraid to approach him because he's like so stoic and. Kobe actually went on social media and quote tweeted it and said, I did not say that. Like, right. he's just a quiet guy. That's just his demeanor. So it was good to hear him, in his own words, kind of clear that up. But, um, all right. One more day here at uh, Super Bowl 58. In fact, Mr. Mister Las Vegas, Wayne Newton, was just walking by us. Yeah, Wayne Newton. Uh, and there's Eric Kramer. Right, good, yeah. All right, uh, tomorrow we're back, and... Um, Comedian Burt Kreischer will be on the show with Tom Segura. That should be... He played poker the other night, or blackjack, excuse with Jason me, Kelsey. with Jason Kelsey. Uh, Mark Schlereth, Kevin Harlan, and more. Yep. Uh, possibly Jordan Maialata. We'll see. He's still standing over still there talking effort. about chips. Uh, have a great night, everybody.